You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the geeks are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Christmas Eve is practically upon us. 18 minutes away, huh, Dustin? Yep, right around the corner. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. So, it's amazing that we even have anyone here for this. And congratulations if you also survived that raw. Mm. The more things change, the more they stay the same. That being said, for the next 18 minutes, at least it's December 23rd, 2019. I'm your host, as always, Rick Dyer, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. You're listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 358, the Christmas special. Co-piloting the brunch ship with me, as always, is Mr. Destin Frazier. Welcome to this pre-taped episode of Talk Brunch that was filmed right after last week's episode. Yeah, we actually filmed this right after the Halloween special, so the the news might be out of it. No, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, tonight we're going to talk about some stuff. Again, I'm going to give you guys my opinion. I actually broke my rule and I watched the latest Star Wars. I will not spoil. We will be very careful not to spoil. I'm just going to give you my overall rating of how I feel about this among Star Wars movies. I'll tell you whether or not you should see it. And now we're going to talk about uh, Christmas-themed WWE matches. Uh, Goldberg, unfortunately. Rumors of Edge rejoining WWE. The Young Bucks abandoning social media. The future of the revival, and Ryback, Ric Flair, and AEW, and NXT, and ratings, and all kinds of different various things. That being said, shout out to our chat room out there. Those of you hanging in this lake, Kula Ice, and Joe Wall, Stasis Dreams, E-Man, Willie V2, Sixlayer, and also those of you that are listening across all platforms like TalkBrunch.com and iTunes, Stitcher. TuneIn, SoundCloud, all the places we're available. Thank you for that. And thank you for also supporting us on social media. And also, don't forget, you can say Alexa, play the Talk Brunch podcast, and we will pop up there as well. Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm glad you made it here. Happy holidays to those of you who don't partake. <laughs> That's the most PC I'll ever happy, happy, happy Kwanzaas. Yeah, happy Hanukkah and happy... Uh, Happy name day, whatever the hell you got going on there. Whatever it is you do. Whatever you do, we're, we're cool with it, you know? We're fine. We're fine. Happy you do. Happy you do. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it didn't really take very long for that to happen. <laughs> I think that's a personal record. Oh, man. Too good, too good. So we're going to get into, you know, wrestling news is light, obviously, because it's the holiday that usually happens. So we can kind of have a chill show. That doesn't mean we can screw around the whole time because there's some stuff to cover. But I'm glad that it coincides with me wanting to talk a little bit about this Star Wars. Because you guys know how vocal I've been about uh, The Last Jedi, which uh, I think it's one of the worst films ever made. Like, I just can't believe to this day that it exists. Like, and this is someone who lived through Aliens 3. 
you know, which uh, that was another stinker. And I don't know, Matrix, I mean, not Matrix, uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, stuff like that, you know, like things that are just Highlander 2. And still, Batman v Superman had to throw that one in there, too. It doesn't get a pass. I just couldn't believe how bad it was, to be completely honest. I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah, that last one was, uh, it, it happened. We experienced it. Somehow we're alive, but yeah, we made it. Yeah. Barely, but but yeah, I thought it was dreadful. It made me, and I know you shouldn't do that with people. It's wrong to say that, but I can't just be dishonest about how I feel. It made me question the opinions. I don't want to say the intelligence, but the opinions of people who were able to give that movie a pass just because it was so dreadful. Like, uh, I was one of those guys that just unconditionally loved Star Wars. You know, like when the prequels came out, I didn't complain. I saw the flaws. Like, yeah, Jar Jar wasn't that pleasant. But while Jar Jar's out there, you know, with, with like getting blasters stuck to his leg and, you know, f- tripping over droids. If you look in the background, I like the battle between like the droids and the Gungans and the way they use the shields and stuff. Like, I appreciate you. Like, I don't think you guys understand, like, on the level that I appreciate Star Wars, you know. So like, you know, I liked everything, all of the scenes and everything. I go back religiously to the, to the disc that we buy, the, the box sets or and all the other various collection versions that have come out. I'll just go to different scenes because I always feel like in any Star Wars movie, past me, I'm not talking about Disney stars. I always felt that in any Star Wars movie, you could find something cool. Like even if you don't like everything, there's something for everyone. And usually the last 45 minutes of a Star Wars movie, which is a tradition, they'll usually have like three action scenes going on at the same time with the action switching between those three scenes. If you really think of any Star Wars, not counting Disney, that's usually the formula. Even Phantom Menace, which is the least most popular one, if you ask most people, it follows that, you know, switching between, uh, Padme and, and her troops, you know, scaling the building and fighting the droids down the hallway while Jar Jar screwing around and the Gungans are fighting the droids while Obi-Wan, uh, and, uh, Qui-Gon are fighting Darth Maul. And those are the three scenes that are all going between each other, you know, that's transitioning between. And it's done in a really cool formulaic way, almost like a play, where if you really look at the way Star Wars is done, at the same time, and this is something that you can find in all of the good movies, at the same time that each protagonist seems like the end is near, like look at Phantom Menace, and I'm using one of the worst ones as an example of something cool. At the same time, it's, it's, uh, and it's beautiful directing the way they do that. Like for example, uh, everyone's in turmoil at the exact same moment. Darth Maul, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling Phantom Menace for you, Darth Maul uses force push to knock Obi-Wan so that he's clinging off of the ledge. We transition over to Padme with her troops and the roller droids have come in. They all have to drop their weapons and she's like, put your weapons down. They win this game. You know, the Gungans at the same time all had to surrender. They all put their hands up and they're surrounded by the dress. And they have three scenes all like at the last leg, you know, and then also this one, this was a four scene. I'm sorry, I forgot because let's not forget that even though people didn't like it, Kid Anakin is in space in the meantime and they're trying to destroy that space station. And he just crashed inside of it and all the droids are surrounding it while he's parked there. And if you guys remember, the resolutions come in that same sequence. He hits the phasers and blows the thing up from the inside. You know, it turns out that it was the fake princess and the real one comes and saves them and covers their asses. And Obi-Wan uses the force and flies up, flips over Darth Maul and cuts him in half. You see what I mean? Like just the way the whole last 45 minutes was done well. Whether you like the writing, the directing and the way they put the picture together was done well. Same thing with Return of the Jedi. If you look at the end with Endor and the battle with the with the Death Star, 
these movies are designed with a pacing is the point that I'm making that uh, even if you don't like any particular movie, they all have something good about them. That being said, uh, Last Jedi was fucking dreadful. I almost hate people who give that movie any credit because it does none of those things. There are no memorable moments to go back. There is no pacing that leads to like uh, turmoil and then resolution or anything like that. There isn't really storytelling that you can come here and explain to people and make them understand what you're talking about. It's just all over the fucking place. It's psychotic. It's borderline psycho. The things that happen in that movie, which we're not going to go into again. We've gone into it a hundred times out here. It's just terrible though. So, uh, I just didn't, I always thought that if someone asked me or even any of us what to do next after that movie, like I wouldn't know what to do. I know I hated it, but I kind of felt like it was one of those delete your save file situations you know where it was like i don't think you can fix this this is like really horrific and not only that even if there are people in the fandom that enjoy it kudos to you for whatever reason you enjoy it i feel like they divided the fan base and that alone should be a testament to how shit this is a fan base that used to be the most unified fan base in the world was split straight down the middle it became a star a star civil war that alone should make this sad because even the prequels, as much as people hate them, didn't divide the, 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 the fandom like this. And, uh, again, my opinion and most majority opinion, it was, it was terrible. And there were a lot of reasons. There was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of agendas placed into this movie. You know, there was a lot of feminist and just crazy agendas and just, uh, it was, it was just still so blatant, the, the, the things that they were trying to do. And the focus wasn't trying to make a good movie. Uh, that being said, I watched this third one and I genuinely did enjoy it. I thought that this last one was uh, really cool. Um, yes, it was fan service. And yes, a lot of it was just to do damage control on, on four hours. Because I didn't think that Force Awakens was terrible, but it wasn't great. So I'm going to say four hours of just bad storytelling. And they went in there to do what they, they were supposed to do and make it feel more like a Star Wars movie. And it was deliberate. You could see it was deliberate. But what else are they going to do at that point, man? You know, I can't. And I tell you guys, I'm always objective on here. I, I kind of felt like people were scared to say that they liked this movie because of how that last movie, I get it. It left a bad stigma, but I feel like people are blaming this new movie for a lot of the terrible, terrible decisions and plot holes that the last one left behind. I don't think that it has anything to do with this movie. They did what they could. And I can't even believe to me, this movie is a miracle because where they left that franchise, I thought it was done. I, I wanted to see this thing fall into the ocean. That's what I was watching this movie for. And uh, it's a miracle that they pulled this landing the way they did. And of course, it's going to be sloppy and rushed. They had two hours to retcon four horrible, horrible hours, four horrible hours. And uh, at the end of the day, regardless of people's opinion, I can say that just this movie alone is Disney's acknowledgement of the fact that even on some level, they understood that something was wrong with The Last Jedi because they knew how to fix it. You can't know how to fix something if you don't actually know what's wrong with it in the first place. That goes with anything physical, mental, you know what I mean? Tangible, whatever you want to say. You can't fix something if you don't know what's wrong with it. And this thing goes out of its way to try to fix things, whether it does the best execution with each beat or not is subjective. But the fact that they're trying to fix it goes to show an indication of that they're conscious of where things are wrong. And that's the reason I give them a bit of a pass here, because you can see them systematically taking the things that I had a problem with since The Force Awakens and trying to make something out of it. Again, I wasn't one of those people that fell for The Force Awakens. If you go back and listen, we were on another podcast back then. 
I was with a group of people that were marking out because Disney's little spell worked and the nostalgia hit them for The Force Awakens. And I was the only one on the panel who I, I saw this coming. I started writing on the wall with The Last Jedi. I saw the look. I don't get the Ray thing. You know, the, the Mary Sue-esque-ness of her character. The, you know, there was nothing really special done. And it, and it led to what I thought it was going to lead to. So uh, that being said, this movie did a really good job with what they had. You know, they did a really good job. And I felt more of the Star Wars feelings you get when you watch those movies than I have probably since the original trilogy. And probably for the first time since the original trilogy, I actually felt moments of suspense. That doesn't mean the whole movie was suspenseful, but you have to factor in a few things. This is the first time that Star Wars has been good in the future in uncharted territory. Because, yeah, the prequels had their moments, but you knew what the end game was. It's not like you're ever thinking, man, I hope that Anakin or Obi-Wan doesn't get killed in this scene. Because obviously they don't. You know what their futures are. So... You, side character sure can go, but the tension's never really there. You're just watching the old Star Wars the, or, or the prequels, rather, more as a historical thing, you know, where you're just seeing how the past was. This was the first time since I was a kid of entering into a Star Wars and not knowing what was going to happen and it being good, you know, at least the, the sequences, the fighting, the battling, the special effects was good. So, I mean, there were suspenseful moments and they, they, they did a good job of, of, um, handling them. I thought the way they, the send off, we finally get closure. That's another problem that we weren't getting. They, they, it felt like they were casting characters to the side. I won't mention how, but I feel like we get closure with all of the old cast to the best that they could possibly do given circumstances, especially with the situation with Carrie Fisher. But they did what they could. They handled everything respectfully. And I thought they did a really good job with that. Action sequences are awesome. This is the first Star Wars out of this trilogy that I would go back and watch some cool, if I felt like just seeing cool special effects, there's scenes here to watch. I don't feel the other ones have that. Like anything that you would really want to go back visually to to check out. Like, yeah, the Ray Fart flies the Millennium Falcon a little bit and they fucking swing lightsabers around in the snow. Good for them. <laughs> but like, I mean, sequences, you know, when you think, again, and this is another problem that I have with the Disney Star Wars. You can look at any Star Wars and there are, there are specific unique sequences that exist that make them those Star Warses. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if you look at Phantom Menace, you can think of, you automatically will think of Darth Maul and you think of the uh, pod racing. Those are the two big things in that. Those are the two big sequences. If you think of Attack of the Clones, you literally think of the Attack of the Clones when all of the Jedi are in the middle of that big arena, more Jedi than you've ever seen in your life. And, uh, they have that huge giant battle out in the sand. It's just a completely different tone from the last one while maintaining that pacing. And if you look at Revenge of the Sith, what do you think of? You think of Mustafar and the lava and, and, and Obi-Wan and Anakin, that shitty, that shitty way that, uh, that he winds up. You know, they all have something different about them. If you think of episode four, the first Star Wars ever, A New Hope, you think of the, uh, the Death Star and Luke and them and poor Porkins fat ass getting blown up in the sky. And, uh, you know, there's just moments in that movie, Obi-Wan's death and stuff. You know, you look at Empire, you think of Hoth and the battles and the AT walkers and the fight with Luke and the losing of the hand. You think of the Jedi and you, you think of Return of the Jedi. You think of Endor and the Ewoks and, uh, and, uh, the speed bikes and everything. What do you think of when you think of, uh, The Force Awakens? You know, there really isn't something, you know what I mean? There's not a thing that you're like, yeah, that's the one with the, with the what? Tell me what that's the one with the what? <laughs> you know, same thing with the, with the, um, the last Jedi. That's the one with the shite is the only thing we can say about it now because it was just all over the place. But this was like a retcon going far back. And I think they did what they could with the characters and they left the, they left the, uh, 
the franchise in a better place than they had found it, at least. Like from here, they can build, they can story build, and they can do different things. And it's not as broken as it originally was. Because it was broken. Like, it was like, make no mistake about it. They, they went in there with different agendas and they broke the shit out of Star Wars. And it was a miracle that they were able to do anything for it. That doesn't make it perfect, but it does make it an enjoyable viewing. And uh, I think at the end of the day, we shouldn't take movies that seriously as long as it's an enjoyable viewing. You know, I don't really try to look at too many plot holes. But the difference was that The Last Jedi, it was like, it was inignorable. You know, it was awful. And it wasn't an enjoyable where you could just sit back and turn your brain off and enjoy it. It felt dreadful. Like, that must be what Superman would feel like if he got fucked in the ass by kryptonite. Because that's how I felt. You know, where it was just like, it was dreadful. I couldn't believe it. Like, it was unbearable. I felt like my flesh was burning watching that shit. (laughs) I'm losing my powers. Like, uh, so, yeah, this was a big jump. Oh, yeah. So, uh, kudos to her. And like I said, Anyone who refuses to to look at the uh, the plot holes in this, it's either because they don't understand writing or they just because uh, it's one thing. I'm not talking about the movie. Like we can talk about the differences of whether you like where the story went. That's different from the writing being bad, where there's just inconsistencies that don't make any sense. And every movie is gonna have it. But just when when if we can name an overwhelming amount, if we play a game of prove me wrong, I guarantee you any motherfucker out there would lose. When it comes to the storytelling in this, and I'm talking the basic storytelling, it's like wrestling. You know, let's compare it to wrestling since we are a wrestling podcast after all. As wrestling fans, you can tell the difference between a good match and a bad match. Whether you like the wrestler or not is completely irrelevant to whether the match was actually good, whether you like the feud or not. Sometimes you like a feud and they go out there and still, unfortunately, the match fucking sucks. But you're objective enough and you know enough about wrestling to be able to say that I like both those guys and I like that feud and, but they had in the match. I thought the match was going to be better because you understand the different details that go into selling to giving a move into going light and all that other shit, all the different wrestling terminologies that entail this match being good. That is the fundamental way that I'm talking about Star Wars when I criticize. I'm not talking about I didn't like what they did or who became what or who did what, even though I would get into that as well. But I'm saying from a technical level, from a technical standpoint, going back to the wrestling terminology, there, there are visible problems going on. There are botches, if you will. There are botches in the spots that you can see. Parts where they trip and fall. Or they forget what happens next. Or they fall on the turnbuckle. You know, there are parts where or they miss a leapfrog. There are parts in the writing like that. Where it's like you can't, even if you like it, you can't ignore that they're botching all over the place. And that's what I'm talking about. And, and at some point, if, if anybody wants to debate that, we can do another show where I'll explain what those details are. And again, every movie has this, but I'm just saying they have it in like an excessive amount, like like four to five times what you would expect out of a story like this. Pretty much. So it's not again, it's not about just the, the storytelling. It's the art of storytelling where you can see the mistakes that were made. And if you know enough about writing, you can tell why the mistakes were made. It's not it was due to carelessness. Or just lack of fucks to give, really, which is just carelessness, you know? That's really what we have going on here. A lot of it, when you can see visible carelessness, like if you saw like a wrestler and he was in the ring and he just looked sloppy and he was fat and he never, he didn't work well and he didn't do well, it's happened before they get released. And you think, yeah, that guy never, he sucked. He never really knew how to do anything good. That's sort of how you have to look at these situations, you know, where something's just not working. And this this was sloppy writing, you know, on just a basic level of understanding writing and understanding how to build storytelling. And I'm not trying to sound pretentious here, but it's obvious to me that this was bad writing and not because they were struggling, you know. So uh, it 
we should be able to say that about Star Wars because we say it on here every week about wrestling and no one bats an eye. You know what I mean? Like, we're saying the same shit that we would say if Raw was bad. You know, the character thing made no sense. People coming in and out of places without having logical reasons. Why didn't they do this? And it's like, they do it on a less level. And they have to do this 52 weeks a year. This is, like, like I said, I don't even want to get into it too much. This isn't going to be about why The Last Jedi sucks. But I'm just talking about why I feel that The Rise of Skywalker was a good uh repair. It was a good apology. It was a good retcon. It's the best you can get for the disaster that we were dealing with. You know, like it's the best you can get. I wouldn't have been able. Somebody would have said, hey, Rick, it's in your hands. What's going to happen next? I'd have been like, I don't know. Next, uh, they all just commit sepulchral with their lightsabers. <laughs> you know, the whole they galaxy. They all became mermen. The, they, all, they all turn into mermen. The whole Game of Thrones team falls <laughs> they, all, they all fall into beats of depression and then have to go on meds, on special meds throughout the galaxy. And then they have a flash mob. Yeah, and then they... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing shit against the wall at this point. Yeah, you know, but that's the point I'm making that I that, that I couldn't have done anything after what I saw done to a beloved franchise. Watch this movie though. They, there's a lot you have to. I mean, if you look at the story, um, yeah, it's it's rushed again. Two hours. They did like they did what, what could have been two movies, if not three, in two hours. And uh, I think it was really well done. I, I think that uh, for what they had to do, it was really well done. And the action was really cool. And uh, not everything was predictable. So, sure, there were certain things that were, but it's, it's Star Wars, you know. And it felt like Star Wars the most that it ever has in a long time. If you didn't like The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi, you're lenient on the prequels and you like, obviously, the regular trilogy, then you'll like this. That's the best formula I can give. So, uh, there you guys have it yeah i'm going to see it friday so yeah i want to hear your opinion after you see it uh, yeah i'm definitely excited for sure you know like why not uh have yourself a good star wars time for once in your in your generation well, right. i'm gonna sound old you probably you I mean, that right. generation. <laughs> I mean i mean technically kind of almost the same way uh we look at the last two games battlefront 2 was a disaster when it came out freaking fallen order has been fantastic on top of fantastic so <laughs> Yeah, or like the WWE games. One's, one's good every other game. Yeah. All right. Wow. How do you feel about this week? You enjoy yourself in the world of wrestling? Eh, there's some highs and some lows. There's... Yeah. Right, I'm going to start off with something random here. First, let's talk about uh, Xavier Woods released another video. His videos are always fun. I almost kind of feel like... Oh, so God. this, I think, was from the, the podcast. And he talks about Christmas matches. Because, uh, you know, people always complain about the Christmas stuff. And he has an interesting perspective on this. I want you guys to hear. I want to talk to any independent wrestlers that are listening to this, that are trying to get their way to WWE. You hear so many horror stories of like, oh, I finally made it to the main roster. I made it to WWE. I made it to wherever. And now I'm not doing anything. And they got me doing these weird matches. I don't like this. Yo, any match you can get is a time to get yourself on TV and to get into somebody's mind to make them laugh, to make them cry, to make them feel any sort of emotion. So when you see people doing these Christmas matches, these ridiculous matches, like, and you're thinking like, oh man, wish they would like use them better, whatever. Like, bro, we're having the time of our life out there. And, and from that Christmas show, I know I watched the whole show. I don't remember anything else that happened on that show. The Thanksgiving show, I don't remember anything else that happened, but I remember that match. So just know that stay in your hustle, stay in your grind. And if you get a match that's not 20 minute brawling wrestling match, Enjoy it because the more you enjoy it, everyone else will enjoy it. Do you want to 
want more? Of course you do. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and feel yeah. the power. Baby. I gotta agree with him there, man. You know? Yeah, the Christmas matches seem like more of a time just to have a little fun rather than anything else. Yeah, that's what I mean. You gotta have fun with stuff. Like, uh, like we know what WWE is, is entertainment to try to reach uh, as big of an audience as possible, not just one age demographic. So, you're gonna have things like that happen. And I, I like some of the silliness. I just don't like when it's corny. You can have kid shows that are actually funny. Yeah, it happens. I think all the time. I think there was a one that like Ambrose did, where I just like Ambrose. I think he he did some kind of like a Christmas street fight with somebody. And I think like they went to like bust one of the presents over to get a weapon out. They wanted to be in something cartoony. He got it out. It was something that's just you kind of have a little bit of fun with it, like loosen up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'd be excited to be the one to get that match on the card. You get? <laughs> yeah, of course. In other news, Goldberg actually spoke recently, and I knew you were thinking. I knew the other day you were like, "When are we going to get some more Goldberg news?" So you asked for it. And here it is. He was he was talking about the Bret Hart kick. As you guys know, Bret Hart's one of his last matches. Uh, he got concussed by uh, Goldberg hitting him with a stiff kick, and it it's supposedly what ended Bret's career. He started having strokes after that. He was never the same again. Yeah, uh, that he hasn't been the same since that match. Yeah, I'm gonna let you guys hear. I'm gonna link you to the source as well. Yeah, it's inside really sorry, the ropes. man. But if I really wanted to hurt the guy. He would never have gotten up. After you lose the, the, the match to Kevin Nash, they tried to kind of do the NWO thing again. It doesn't really work that well. But there was, a, there was an angle that people uh, remember quite fondly in Canada where Bret Hart uh, ends up taking a spear, but somehow the spear affects you quite badly as well. And um, it felt like that was the beginning of a really hot program in WCW with you and Bret. Um, is that something that you wish had happened more at that point and you were able to do something with that? Yeah, I mean, Brett, the hitman heart, man. I mean, his, his name and moniker speak for themselves. Uh, a staple in the, in the business. Uh, the lineage is unparalleled. And uh, it was an honor and a privilege. And I very much looked up to him and listened to everything he said. Um, like you said at the time, there were many people who gave opinions and you did not know whether they had their best interest at heart you don't know whether they had the the company's best interest at heart or your best interest at heart. I still don't know, but I don't care because at the end of the day, I can control what I can control and that is it. I'm not going to sit and complain about anything. Um, I'm just going to co- try to go out and do my job. Um, I would have loved to have worked a little bit more with Bret Hart and I would have loved more than anything to have not kicked Bret Hart in the head, uh, you know, and, 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 what happened happened um there have been things said on the internet either by brett or other people and i was malicious and he shouldn't have been in the ring with me and hey i'm really sorry man but if i really wanted to hurt the guy he would never have gotten up okay and i'm no joke i I, he would never would have gotten up um but accidents happen and he was an idol of mine and still is and uh, that's one thing that I'll forever be remorseful for is, is the misplaced kick. And he did kind of know it was coming. But, uh, you know, there are a couple things in my career that I wish I could have changed. That was one of them. The length that I had an angle with him and my inability to be professional enough to pull the kick. 
but it meant very much to me to be believable. Um, I didn't want to present a, a character that, no offense, but was like a Ric Flair. You know, I'm not the woo. I don't run around and be goofy and, you know, entertain people like that. I'm a competitor. I'm not an entertainer. So if what I do in competing entertains, then I'm ecstatic. Um, but I didn't set out to be a sideshow by any stretch of the imagination. My two to five to ten minute, I'm stretching it a little bit, <laughs> matches were basically like uh, throwing people to the lions. Okay, It was messy and it was violent and it was over before you knew it. And that's what people loved. Uh, it was something different. What are your thoughts on that? The one line that sticks with me is he's just like, if I wanted to hurt the guy, and I'm like, you did. He was fucked for life after that one. It's like, I kind of, I, yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously, I mean, you have it at that point, you don't know how to pull a kick. That's the one thing that kind of bothers me. Like, he had been there for a while before that the whole thing happens. So it's just like, you can't, you're like, you know, shit, you should have been a little bit more professional, like, believable is one thing, but it's like, there's gotta be a line. Like, like yeah, I, I didn't run like out kicking people in the face because I wanted to be believable, yeah. you know? Like, I didn't like that statement either, you know? Like, that kind exactly. of Exactly. Like, it, it, it seems like, just oh, like, if I could have, like, if I wanted to, or would I could have really hurt him, is what he's basically saying. Like, it was an accident because yeah. I wanted to. Like, motherfucker, like, you didn't hurt him? Like, and then a bad metaphor to be like, you know, no offense, but I, I don't want to be like a Ric Flair. Trust me, you're not a Ric Flair. Bro, you couldn't. Yeah. You're, you're barely a fucking Lashley, all right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a Ric Flair sock. You know what Jesus I mean? Christ. Like, you're like, Ric Flair, like Ric just basically trying to imply that Ric Flair has just uh, been an entertaining. He doesn't want to go woo. Like, that's the, like you basically try to take Ric Flair and turn him into this one dimensional fucking character. Because he does wools and he struts around. I, I, you see what I mean? This is why no matter what this guy says, I just, I'm not a fucking Goldberg fan. I never will be. You know what Goldberg I mean? Like, like no, no offense stupid. doesn't mean no disrespect. And, um, you know, for him to say, oh, you know, Ric Flair, I don't want to be a Ric Flair. You would, and you would pray. Most people would fucking pray. The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H would fucking pray to be a Ric Flair. How fucking dare you? Exactly. You know Nobody I mean? ever prays to be a Goldberg. Nobody ever prays to be able to barely pull off a two-minute fucking match. If you asked any of those men who, in their opinion, was the greatest wrestler of all time, they would tell you Ric Flair. What the like fuck mother- do you like, what the like, fuck motherfucker, do At this point, you, you wouldn't even be as made Fifi. No offense, I don't want to be a Ric Flair that's an entertainer. Sure, Ric Flair's entertaining. That man is a wrestler. And for him to fucking come on hand in an apologetic way to try to justify the reason why he concussed Brett to go, oh, because, uh, you know... I, I didn't want to be a Ric Flair, you know, what do you mean? Like not her people? Because that's basically okay. what you did. And like, oh, I wanted to be a convincing, believable guy. It's almost like he's somewhat justifying why he stiff kicks somebody. He didn't exactly. mean to do it, but he's trying to be, um, you know, you know, why, you know, listen, to I wanted to look less shitty. Yeah. I, and, and in doing so and his excuses, he wanted to look good. 
You know what I mean? He wanted to make the kick look good. The same reason he punches windows and shit like that. But that part with the Ric Flair, that shit really got under my skin because it was like, oh, I don't want to be a Ric Flair. Like, dude, are you fucking crazy? Out of all the people on the planet, you could have said, pulled out of a hat to say you don't want to be a... You fucking chose Ric Flair, man? There are people who have main evented WrestleMania and have what we consider the greatest match of all times that do not think that they are worthy to shine that man's fucking shoes. For you to have the nerve to go onto a fucking show and say something like that. As if he's fucking Mojo or doing the fucking clown or something. You know what I mean? Like, how dare that fucking guy? And, and what pisses me off so much is this one line. Oh, accidents happen. Motherfucker, your career is an accident. Yeah, you see what we, I mean? We, this we, is the shit the, I'm talking we, about we, from We're talking about, like, people who he's hurt. Those are the people we know of. At this point, I'm pretty sure everybody who's been in the ring with this untalented fuck's been hurt. Yeah, but just as, just of all fucking people, man. And they wonder why you want this little fucker back for fucking Survivor Series for fantasy warfare. I probably wouldn't be surprised if he fucking hurt Brock in that match. Stop bringing this old fuck back. Let him do bull run or some kind of shit. Maybe yeah. he'll halfway do that right. Actually, nah, he won't because he can't even be Ric Flair and that shit. Like, dude, oh my god. Like, it's just it's so the- crazy. He basically the 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 main horseman was your fucking. No offense, I don't want to be. <laughs> Believe me, nobody will. He- Nobody thinks you're ever going to be him. Even if, even if we he he trained in the fucking hyperbolic time chamber to wrestle, he couldn't be Ric Flair. But it, dude, dude, if he whipped out the fucking super dragon balls, fucking the dra- the Omni Dragon would say, "Oh, too much." Yeah, no, that that to me, what I just found it, and it's funny because it just goes to show <sighs> because the fact that he says like no, he doesn't mean it because that you know it's like he doesn't know he he's how out of touch he is or how disrespectful that is you know people bring him back because he's a draw he brings some money in he's a special attraction there's no way that people who are in the locker room aren't fucking conscious besides matt riddle but other people have to share that you can't love wrestling and goldberg that's like being a mets and yankees fan Exactly. You want you you lose. You love one or the other, and if you love one, believe me, I'm pretty sure you have mental fucking health issues. Like my love of wrestling and the business and the respect for it makes it impossible for me to be a Goldberg fan. Too many times, without him even realizing it, it's worse not to realize it than to just be a dick. Too many times, not even realizing it, he said things that are like you know cringe. You know, like that's such a cringe when I heard that. You know, and then to keep going on and explaining, have some fucking humility, dude. You injured somebody. The best thing to do when you injure somebody is have humility about it. Not explain. Like, dude, imagine if that would have happened in any current scenario. Even Nia Jax couldn't have gotten away with that. Anytime a girl has been concussed, didn't Liv Morgan get concussed by one of the Bellas by, by Brie? Like, imagine if Brie would have been like, look, I'm, I, you know, things happen, but you got to understand, I'm trying to go out there and have a convincing match. Do you know the fucking heat she would have got? As it is, the poor girl, the poor girl, just for being botchy, the internet practically decapitated her. They wanted to fucking burn her at the stake. Imagine if her response, the way Goldberg casually did that, sitting there with his legs crossed and shit, would have been like, oh, well, you know, you got to understand, I got a brand to protect here. You know, I want to be a convincing <laughs> right. person, you know, no offense, but I'm not, uh, but I'm not a Liv Morgan, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just like, she, she would have never been able to recover from the level of heat she would have gotten from saying what this fucking guy just oh. said about rick flair saku hasu was really good but hey, hey, hey what's like, up saku <laughs> it, what, what this this and this has been like first of all i've never liked this fucker 
All right. And here's the thing about it is the one thing I disagree with is to say that nowadays Bill Goldberg's a draw because nobody comes to Monday Night Raw or any of these pay-per-views to watch a 30-second match with two fucking moves. He was a draw back in WCW when everybody was too stupid to see through it. That motherfucker might as well be on main event now with his work rate, and he could barely do that work rate at that. The only reason the Ziggler thing looked as half as good as it did is because Ziggler bumped his ass off. That's the only half of that thing that was worth watching. At this point, like to support Goldberg is to disrespect the wrestling business because his art, his work is nothing more than disrespect to it. He hardly works. He hardly does ship. To this day, the funniest thing I still ever watch, if I ever want to laugh, I watched a match with Regal when Regal had enough of his oh, shit. Regal it's like, all right, him. motherfucker, I'm going to show you what you can't do. Yeah, and that's like, what I mean. And and you know what? Again, I, I've said before, wrestling's not about the moves. I never take away the fact that thanks to WCW's booking and packaging, the Goldberg character, just like with Batista because I could look at things in different parts. That's a good idea, man, the way he would come out and crush people, the way they made it, if to the untrained eye, look like he knew what he was doing when it's really just because he had those two squash. He just had squash matches. Yeah. There's a bunch of squash it- matches, but they were well-done squash matches. So it's kind of like he he drank his own Kool-Aid. He's one of those people that drank his own Kool-Aid. He started to believe that Goldberg shit. I- and, it was, and it was all completely contrived. He's Goldberg. Yeah, he believes it too much. Like he's trying to protect the brand that's completely fake. Like m- maybe wrestling's a work. He's fake. You know what I mean? Like from the ground up, they created that. Like there's literally, it's 100% of an illusion, more so than Hogan. And the problem is now in this day and age, that shit doesn't work. Nobody's believing that Goldberg. He had the untrained eyes in WCW. That motherfucker has nothing but trained eyes now. Maybe two pairs of untrained ones at that. But no, like nobody's and the only difference is that Riddle's been the one who's been vocal of like, you don't need to be here. Nobody wants you here. You're taking TV time away from people who deserve it. Yeah. And like I said, he like when it comes to wrestling, that kind of shit, I don't really hear often enough to have an opinion on it. But when you hear a guy just shit on the older talent like that, the legends, and I mean, the real legends, it pisses me off. The only thing yeah. that should have been coming out of his mouth was him begging, begging Bret Hart for forgiveness. That's it. Not who you, no offense, don't want to be or any of this shit. Because best believe you couldn't have been them on your best day. Yeah, no. At that point, just like at that point, just keep your mouth shut. If you're too stupid to know when you know put your foot in your own mouth, keep it shut. Yeah, because believe me, I won't lose a day of sleep never hearing another Goldberg interview. And that's the thing; he doesn't know better than to just not. Like, why did he have to say that? You know, it doesn't doesn't know better. It's completely so so bad, so bad. Joke. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so moving along to our next story. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad Marceline's here. She doesn't get to be here live very often, by the way. Guys, in the middle of the Goldberg rant, look at you. (laughs) <laughs> Mark said, he couldn't. couldn't he's right Norman though smiley. mark you're right he couldn't be a norman could, smiley could norman smiley could work he knows how to work yeah that's a, that is a that is a good worker right there you know he couldn't be a norman that, smiley that motherfucker couldn't be hornswoggle you know why because hornswoggle do how to work disco inferno works better than him michael cole works better than goldberg watch the michael cole go go michael matches back watch how many times he didn't botch this funaki matches i like better than uh there's <laughs> like, sreo matches i like better than goldberg's I'm I'm legit. I'm gonna let, let me see if I can find like yeah, like everybody. There's so many people that's that have had better matches. I've seen fucking Gilbert have better matches than and, Goldberg. And, and, and keep in mind, people, that's on their half of the match too, not the other guy. 
Alex Wright, too. Like, literally, almost anybody, even jobbers, have better matches than him. You know, even fucking jobbers. Brooklyn Brawlers have better matches than Goldberg. You don't hear anybody talked about Brooklyn Brawler coming back for fantasy warfare and all this other kind of bullshit. Like, no. It was so funny. Snooki. Um, Snooki's had a better fucking match. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was kind of funny just because one day I do it every now and then just because it's one of my, it was my first WrestleMania that I watched live. Uh, I watched uh, WrestleMania 20 back. And I didn't realize, I forget every time how much of that fucking match was just them standing. And I'm like, wait a minute, but Brock can work. <laughs> like, why is Brock just sitting here? You know, it's funny you and bring that like, up oh, because because uh, Brock's so pissed that he had to work with this fucktard in his last match here. It's funny you bring that up because uh, I didn't want to play two Goldberg drops on here, so I had to choose between the one where he talks about Brett and the one where he talks about that match at oh, WrestleMania where him I and Brock are in the ring not doing anything. And that one's the one that I didn't pick, but I did read the transcript where he just basically said that he was hoping. It was just not how he was hoping to bring some of the anger out on Brock, but Brock was just so pissed off at the crowd that, that he wasn't having it. And, uh, he said something like they should have just went into the crowd and started swinging at people or just some dumb shit. I don't know what they the fuck. They beat your mean. ass too. Fuck you mean. They know how to work punches. Bill. God, that have made that match worth it just to watch him take that ass whooping. It's kind of funny, you know, when people find out his name is Bill, some people are surprised. <laughs> I was surprised when I found out he was Jewish. Uh, why fucking you know what it was because i was in middle school and for some reason i didn't see that coming i don't know why his name is goldberg (laughs) are you fucking kidding me that's like if somebody's name was something like lee wong and you saw him and you were like holy shit this guy's this guy's asian who would have thought his name was bill dude his fucking first name was bill and his last name was 13 and put two or two together okay Jesus <laughs> put that one on the fucking highlight reel for next year's anniversary <laughs> what the hell dude <sighs> that is amazing and I, and I still had a better defense than Goldberg kicking Bret Hart in the head <laughs> one day you were like this guy this Goldberg guy is Jewish you know what it was? Because it was one of those few things I never thought about. Oh, so when I had that, I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Next bit of news we have here. On this day. Yeah, Edge. There's all kinds of Edge rumors going on. You hearing about this shit lately? Yeah, I've, been, I've been hearing them all over the place. According to PW Insider, they said that Edge has signed a new WWE contract. And, uh... He's going to be returning to the ring before WrestleMania to have some sort of a match. So uh, they said that uh, he signed the new deal that has a nice upside. The, the speculation going around is that he's going to appear at the Royal Rumble. However, Edge has tweeted, still not and still not, period, in regards to this rumor. However, Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Radio was quoted as saying, here's all I can tell you, okay? Edge retired because his neck was all messed up. They would not clear him to wrestle, okay? They've covered this in the Observer, and then Edge tweeted out something like, no, I'm not, and no, I'm not. Now, everyone thought this was denial that he was signed with WWE and that he was cleared to wrestle, okay? So all I can tell you about this is that they did a show, and in a kickoff show segment, he got in the ring and he delivered a spear. 
Now, let me tell you something. There's no way that a guy who isn't cleared for in-ring action is going to return and do a spear. If you call Paige retired because of an injury and when they wanted to write her out of storylines, there was zero physical contact. Asuka blew mist in her face and she sat down and laid down. They are not letting Edge deliver a spear unless there is at least some semblance of clearance. Now, I don't know that he's fully clear. I don't know anything about this. All I know is Edge did this, and it's what I was told, and there was a denial. He does strike a good point. I mean, the spear involves his neck. So if his neck wasn't up to snuff, there's no way they'd let him do that. And it's just strange because we've been hearing for a while about the possibility of him returning. Yeah, I mean, he's been out for a long time. It's, uh, I don't know. I think that Edge had a very, even though it was the neck injury, he he had a very good uh, storybook career. You know what I mean? He came, he left WrestleMania as the world heavyweight champion. He went out on top. Very few people besides Trish Stratus can say that they were able to do that. Exactly. So, you know, do you think that in today's, uh, talent blend he would mix well um i could see it it might take him a tad bit of time to adjust but the thing that i liked about edge's career is when you look at when he first started versus when he had that last match of del rio a lot had changed between then and that time and he managed to adjust uh, to the competition so i think with this new breed of superstars that uh are around nowadays it's possible, it, but yeah, I don't know if it will necessarily be the cleanest transition back, but I think when he sees people he would be more comfortable working with, he could definitely kind of work his way back into it. Maybe, I guess, like wrestle with some of the guys who were around when he retired and are still here now and then work his way back to like some of the newer talents we're seeing. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, he was a good wrestler, like I said, yeah. and most people do have big comebacks. When you look at it, there are very few if any, unsuccessful wrestling comebacks. Knock on wood. If you look in the history of comebacks, most people have had great comebacks. Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. You know, when you look at those two, two top guys having comebacks. The Undertaker to this day, you know. Fucking Terry Funk. Exactly. (laughs) You know, people can wrestle into late in their age. And many people have done returns and come back and have second comings. Matt, Matt Hardy, you know. You know, people sometimes late in their career have some of their best shit. Rick, you know, Rick Flair did it with his last run in, on, in WWE. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's a little up in the air to see what happens. But yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, the fact that he hit a full throttle spear, there's some sense of he's better than he was. You know, what I think it was like 2011 when he retired. Yeah, I, I agree 100% there. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you pointed that out, Kula. His his hair's long again. That could be an indication because he cut his hair once he was uh pretty much done. Yeah, and it's, it's not one thing where it's not working because I mean, if it's not working for him, why the fuck would he do it? But uh, <laughs> that was more of like a shedding of the old times in a sense, like shedding the old edge. That was the in ring worker. So it had, it, yeah. it was more it had a semblance to it, which is yeah. why it worked. I mean, he looked fine. But it represented more of like a semblance of like, this chapter is over. Now I'm starting something new. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd be interested. I want to see where it would go. I I don't think he should be a regular guy. But if they're going to use him as a special uh, event person, that'd be cool. Exactly. Obviously, I don't think he would be on the road at his age. Yeah, he couldn't go like a full-time schedule. Right? Yeah. No, well, 
you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to our friend here. You know, I know Christian's done for sure. So, oh yeah, it's, it's a wrap for Christian. Need to hurry up and put his ass in the Hall of Fame. You think he's gonna be in there? He needs to go in because, for Christ's sakes, like <laughs> the man is one of those six who changed tag team wrestling in the WWE. He's a multi-time world champion. He was a fantastic Intercontinental champion. One of their best heels at some times. Yeah, it, it's it's been more than deserved for him to come to get into that Hall of Fame. Both yeah. of them, really. Yeah, I'd almost put them in like as a tag team in a sense as well because the team was great. So yeah, can't argue with you there. All right, so the Young Bucks. We got Young Buck news. They have deleted their Twitter accounts. Matt Jackson tweeted, I've had a fun time on this app for over 10 years, but it's time to finally hit the X. I'll see you on being the elite, be on BTE. And then their dad, Papa Bunk, tweeted out later on saying, thanks for all the love. We are getting, we are getting from everyone wondering about Matt and Nick. They are fine and just need a well-deserved break from the toxicity on here. They're the, the, most sweetest, most genuine guys ever. They don't deserve the hate they get. Love you all. Then Matt Jackson released a statement on his Instagram saying, First off, I acknowledge how ridiculous it is that I even need to talk about this, but it's clearly a distraction. My brother and I decided to leave Twitter permanently a few days ago. We realized it took precious time away from our families, who've already sacrificed enough time as it is. Also, we've noticed how it seems to strife our creativity. Lastly, after taking numerous breaks this past year from Twitter, we found it to be healing to our mental health. So getting off completely was the next step. This will not change how we interact with our amazing fans, as we'll continue to put out our best content online. Never be afraid to say hello to us, whether it's on social media or in person. Thanks so much for the support. We love you all very much. Happy holidays. So... I think that's very cool, and it's cool that they're that conscious about stuff like that. I I think at the end of the day, I'm I feel that way about social media at this point to an extent. I find for me more Facebook than Twitter to be just a toxic, annoying place. But really, they all are, and uh, that's the reason I started over the years interacting less and less. I use it basically as a promotional tool, in all honesty, to just tweet when we're going live or we're going to stream a game or we're going to do the podcast or whatever to keep in contact with our community that we have more so than uh, the social aspect because really if i go on there there, uh, there's too much silliness going on there exactly it's sad and it used to amuse me but i started feeling bad like when i would see chain tweeters it would just make me realize uh how empty they are and i feel shitty having to even say that kind of i'm gonna get a lot of heat but like I can't find the time in the day, and I don't consider myself a super busy person. Sure, I have my busy days. I can't find the time in my day to tweet multiple times, even if I wanted to. Most people, and it's not a bad thing. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm so, it's just shit is going on. You know what I mean? Like, there's things that prioritize over it, even if those things aren't life threatening. They were just, it's, it's the, it's the, in layman terms, it's like having better things to do. I could be on here doing the show with you right or i could be tweeting something or you know what i mean this is real content whether we have one one viewer or one thousand viewers this is real genuine content that has to be put together and created it's a a, a tweet any monkey with thumbs can tweet you know what i mean so it's like having having that uh 
you know, having better things to deliver. I'd rather stream some games, you know, go read a, read a book like that drop we played on the other stream. Read a motherfucking book. You know, I'd rather read a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or just make something, create something, do something. And it's like a lot of the time without me even trying to be overproductive or innovative, just meeting and fulfilling my regular adult obligations as well as our obligations to this community is time consuming enough that tweeting is just a luxury that may or may not happen. I saw uh the Star Wars movie. I told you guys that. I'm not going to go back into that. But point being, I didn't tweet yesterday, my opinion. Most people with Twitter addiction and social media addiction, they're compelled every time they do something or see something, even if it's something old, even if it's something they're watching for a second or third, they're compelled. They need to, they're trying to connect with someone because they're, they're not connecting with people in their own lives. So they're out there using this and it's an unhealthy addiction. You know, they're getting addicted to their own dopamines from the likes and the, the tweets. We talked about that before, you know, so it, it's, uh, it's one of those things that's, that's crazy when you have to, um, really look at it. And it's, uh, it becomes like a really, really big problem. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't find the time, you know, I don't find the time to be able to tweet out uh, things all the time. People want to do that when they're watching things. I thought, you know what? This is my most important platform right here, right now. If I have something to say about something, this is where I'm going to go because this takes more effort, energy and resources than a tweet or even maintaining a Twitter account. You need to have a support team. You need to have people like our chat room. You know, like they, they contribute a lot to suggesting and showing interest in what the content's going to be. You need to have some sort of a community like this for this to even be possible. It takes a hell of a lot more than just typing an opinion. So I didn't even mention, this is the first place I've mentioned the Star Wars because I rather do it on a platform that matters than to do it on social media, which like I said, it becomes an addiction. And I feel like the bucks on the other side of things, they're, they're encountering a lot of people who do that because people on Twitter, Whenever, whenever they don't like you, you could comment on the weather and they'll be like, fuck you on your, on your weather comment. And you could put a picture of yourself at the beach with your kids and they'll have something negative to say, go to hell. You can't say anything. Look what happened with, uh, I, I'm never going to get into any, any of this stuff right now. But the point being that you can't really say and be yourself on social media at, at certain points. And those that do decide to completely fully embrace it become the problem. So sometimes it's better to just take yourself out of the equation because like I said, it's nothing's wrong. And I'm going to be clear. Anything in moderation, I think is fine. Anything, anything. I am no prude. If you have and something that you do a vice, you know, whether it is having a beer, smoking some pot, you know, fucking some bitches, whatever your thing is, <laughs> whatever you. <laughs> Whatever your thing is, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in free will. I want to clarify that. I'm a firm believer in free will. My ideologies are basically that we should have a world where you're all allowed to be the way you want to be at all times, aside from being stupid. You know what I mean? Oh, but you should be yeah, allowed to you, be whatever. You, you, you go yeah, cold turkey on yeah, that shit. You know what I mean? But you should be allowed to be whatever you want to be. You should be allowed to, to, to act however you, you, you want to act and do, do you. So the point being, anything in moderation is good. But there are people in our world that have addictive personalities. And if you've never heard that terminology before, it basically means someone who has an affinity to just be addicted to stuff. It's not because they're addicted to 
heroin, even though you probably are, if it's fucking heroin, that's probably a poor example because that shit has addictive properties. But they're probably not addicted to cigarettes. They're addicted to being addicted to cigarettes. They're probably not addicted to alcohol. They're addicted to being addicted to alcohol. They're not addicted to social media. They're addicted to being addicted to social media. It's like one bad habit gets replaced by another, then it'll be addicted to food, addicted to sugar, addicted to carbs, addicted to garbage. You know what I mean? Like one, they basically perpetually will replace one bad habit with another. And unfortunately, we live in a world where even social media has now become one of those vices, one of those dopamine vices that people, and not everyone, again, not everyone, but people cling to it. They they depend on that. That is their lifeline for those dopamine fixes because at the end of the day, if you're not getting it in your life, where the fuck are you getting it from? The reason why our, why our bodies are designed to release dopamine when you get a like or a tweet or something like that is because it's you, you kind of need that. You don't need it to an excessive amount, but you need to feel good. And to feel good, you have to be around other people that make you feel good. As much as I would love to say everyone could be a ninja and a lone ranger in this world, we weren't biologically designed that way. I'm a big believer in biology, too. That's what I follow, and that's what I go by as far as the laws of the way things work. And biologically, we were not designed to be alone. So those dopamine fixes from interacting with others and having positive outcomes is is organically generated when we're around others. But if you're around others and you're not getting that, now we have a new outlet, which is social media. Unfortunately, when people are using social media, they're getting addicted. So it just becomes another problem, you know. So, hundred percent, exactly. I mean, it's it was the best thing for the Bucks to get off of Twitter because Twitter's just become poison at this yeah, point. It's, like, become it's, a, just, it's become a poison it, well everyone's drinking it, from it, the same cool. It, it, it's it's just a bunch of guys who have probably never seen these two wrestle. They're just blind WWE marks like, oh, AEW sucks. You guys get it? Like it, it's the same bullshit every day and it's just like and it's okay few, we, it, we, we it, can stay on this platform and mm-hmm. deal with this all day or we could get rid of it and just go back to still trying to be the best tag team on the freaking planet and it's Guess the what few, one's probably more entertaining exactly and it's the few fucking it up for the many because the people out there chain tweeting and having this addiction like i said anything in moderation is fine you can drink alcohol have a beer have a single beer and if you know that you can stop it there then you're responsible have a tweet. Have a tweet or two. Hell, on a weekend, if you're doing a bunch of things, tweet three times, maybe. But when you see people in here obsessing, it's becoming like literally an extension of themselves. You got to question what the hell else they've done. And I think that it's important for the people doing that to question, what have you done lately besides this? What do you have planned to do tomorrow? More of this has to be more to it than that, man. And I think that at the end of the day, they're right. That shit is a distraction, you know? And they realize that it took time away from their families because it does, you know, and it does stifle creativity. I never try to read anyone else's opinions on anything that I know I'm going to cover because I'd prefer to have an organic reaction to things than to have an opinion that rubber band off of a hundred other sources. You know, I think it's better for your mental health to only use Twitter in moderation. And if you're someone who can't help yourself but to be on the shit perpetually doing three, four, five, six, seven, eight, then you have to get help and go away. And we, and in the society we live in nowadays, it's only a matter of time until just like everything else, it's officially deemed an addiction. If it hasn't been already, I don't keep up. Probably has already. <laughs> you know? And then it'll just be another thing for people to check mark on their list of fucking problems and social media addiction. <laughs> Be the greatest episode of Intervention ever. You know what I mean? It's, it's starting like conditions are starting to read like resumes. Stop yourselves, guys. You know, do what the Bucks did. I, I, I commend them. I guess I'm long-winded, but that's the point I'm getting to. I commend them for being able to say, look, we just don't want this thing on right now. Like, we're just going to turn it off. And uh, that's it. 
for me, Twitter's not as in- intrusive as Facebook. I could see myself sooner turning off my Facebook that I hardly use at this point. Like, I pretty much am, if I'm watching anything, it's usually Twitter at this point. And it's because I, I don't, I guess I don't follow or pay attention to a lot of bullshit. But uh, people literally are making themselves sick on here and they don't even realize it. They're going for those dopamine fixes and then they're, they're lashing out aggressively uh, to anyone who doesn't have their sh- share the same ideologies or philosophies. It's crazy, man. And, and that, that could uh, just spoil something for everyone because it really should be a platform to network and it should be a platform to be creative, to help boost creativity, not stifle it, help boost it. And when you're not using it, in a creative manner, you're part of the problem. If you're not using it to constantly exhibit civil discourse, you are part of the problem. You can say what you want about me, Rick Dyer over here. Oh, that guy's an asshole and this and that. You know what, guys? I'm an asshole on my own fucking platform with my own fucking <laughs> people on my own community. Look through my shit and tell me the last time, no matter how passionately I felt about someone doing something wrong or who they were or what movie they messed up, go find anywhere on my social media where I called somebody out or in their comments, I just said, fuck you to a director or to a politician or you're garbage or go to hell or whatever. Find me anytime that I have gone out of there. And you know me, people say, oh, that guy's a jerk or whatever. Find me a time that I've left our community, which I have every right, I'm literally paying the bills here. Find me a time that I've gone out to a public community and just called somebody out. I don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my style. I don't think that's the right way to go about things. I can talk about it here and then whoever wants to listen can listen and whoever doesn't doesn't. And if no one does, that's fine. I'm still saying it and doing it for me. And if everyone does, great. But that's the point. That's the healthy way to do things like that. You'll never find me just call somebody out like I'm like publicly, no matter what. A politician could be a racist or whatever, you know, a Hollywood star could say something I don't agree with. I'm not going to go and direct directly address them out there. I'm not going to go to Goldberg because of what he said about Ric Flair and go on his Twitter. Exactly. You know yeah, what I mean? Better do that. If you, if you really feel that strongly about any opinion on social media, then why haven't you built yourself a platform suitable to talk about it and discuss it civilly? How come you don't have the initiative in you to do something like that to just make a platform and it make and it also shows people that you're more serious about putting effort into the things that you want to convey to your friends and to your people that's not what i see when i see people doing this angry tweeting and stuff i just see people doing the easiest possible way to express themselves and doing it in the most negative way possible and usually if you're healthy especially mentally you're going to have more than that going on and better shit to do so uh yeah, didn't expect to have to talk about that for that long, but hey, this Twitter shit comes yeah. up a lot, eh? Exactly. Please become an inconvenience. Like I said, it's just the way that I feel, man. Like I've always felt strongly about this kind of shit, and uh, like I said, yeah. I respect the Bucks for what they did and understanding that if you want to be able to do your own content and do your own shit, you can't be on there all the time. And when you're on there, you should be promoting something. You guys gotta ask yourself, guys, how often are you on there to promote something or to or to you know, reveal something or to show your, your people something. Exactly. The most time you ever see me pop up on Twitter nowadays when I'm getting tagged in the plug for the show. (laughs) That doesn't mean you can't use to have an opinion on there, but you have to have some balance in your life. Like how often are you actually using Twitter productively to contribute to your life? I can make a list going into 2020. We'll talk more about it next year. Going into 2020, I can make a list and I'm not trying to brag, but I can make a list of my goals and a list of my accomplishments. And I'm proud. I'm proud of like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the things that I was able to, you guys know that I had a rough year as far as uh just being busy with real life stuff, even changing studios and everything. Never complained about it here. Never missed a show. 
was always available for you guys just as much as it wasn't happening. I deal with day-to-day stuff, but I've always been here. And I, I accomplished several things. I got in great shape. You know, I set a goal during WrestleMania and I got in great shape. And at the same time, I'm, I'm still getting in even better shape. I'm, I do a hundred different things, but I have checklists. And, you know, I hit all of those marks. I accomplished all of my goals going into the next year. And I think that that's an important accomplishment for anyone. And I think a lot of the time when you're obsessed with social media, it stifles you. And I hate to make myself sound old, but you need to ask yourself going into the next year, what are the goals that you laid out and what are the goals you actually accomplished? Are you satisfied with yourself? Because in many ways, I could look at the things I've done and say, yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. You know, this has been the slowest uh, year, I think, for us as a community, as a brand. Like normally we have this place was a lot more lively, but uh, we changed the style of things. You know, all kinds of crazy stuff happened, as you guys know. And uh, slowly the show changes over time and it becomes different things. And uh, I think that's a cool aspect to it and a cool element, which is one of the reasons I'm comfortable coming on here with my opinions. But uh, yeah, when I look at just my life around that and my life outside of here and everything, I was really happy that I invested my time specifically into this and not posting on social media all the fucking time. And when I did, it was usually about this. And it usually it was more rewarding. The, the more effort you put into something, something that takes effort is usually worth it. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's usually worth it to put the effort into doing the thing and being able to accomplish the thing. You know, and again, like I've said before in the past, we're by no means NBC out here. But uh, think about how simple and ridiculous this thing was. It started as a taped audio file, you know, over time. Like, what is I'm literally one person controlling the entire thing. I can do like high level production if someone wants it. (laughs) You know what I mean? At the end of the day, easily, because uh, just doing things over time and learning how to do things and learning what what not to do and what devices to use and how to tune audio. those, Those are all important things just if you're gonna be in any craft just try to be the best at it you can but social media doesn't help further any of that unless you're using it in some way to network which we have done in the past a lot of our contacts people we've had on the show majority of them if we didn't know them personally came from using social media as a device in order to network with others and in order to build together that's what it was intended for and when it's not that and it just becomes a place a cesspool of opinions and people trying to further their own agenda then what really is it that we have? We have nothing. It's the empty void of bullshit. Yeah. So think about that. Go out and, and, and you don't even have to go. Be home and just don't do the tweeting thing. Do, do the other stuff. And like I said, most people, like for me, it's not even an option. For you, I know it's not even an option. When you're working, you're busy working. And then we barely have enough time. It's all I can do. And I've said it before on Mondays. It's all I can do to wake up, live my life, and have enough time to be on here to put the show together and watch Raw. How people have time to, to, to even be on social media, I have no idea. God bless them for having that much free time. <laughs> you know what I mean? For having that much free time and to have that little ambition that there's even time for that sometimes because i can't even sometimes even the tweet that says going live i barely get that shit out before we're actually going live barely sometimes if you guys have looked i don't even make it it's like fuck it we're already 10 minutes late i'm just gonna go people know we're live (laughs) you know it's like so when i see people that are able to change tweet, god bless them god bless you for having this the 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 level of spare time as as a small child (laughs) that's a funny note to leave off on like for fuck's sake it's just like what is it for me today hour shift today I got home like an hour before Raw, had enough time to eat, shower, then watch Raw, and now I'm here. 
I barely had spare time to breathe today. All right. And then when we get off here, I'll do post-production and, you know, leave it overnight. And then maybe I'll eat something and then tomorrow get the rest of it up and everything. But, you know, it's a good feeling. That, that's when you know you're doing it right. Like, it's good when you can check mark the things that you want to do. You don't feel bad about getting things done and, and, and being more. And it's good when it feels like you've pushed your limits that day. Oh, yeah. There's days when I come on here and I am drained, but I'm like, I feel fucking accomplished. I'm half dead by the time we go on the air, but I feel freaking accomplished and half dead. So, yeah, and anything, and anything that you do, what's the point of doing anything if if you don't enter it that way? Is my attitude. So, kudos to the box guys. Good idea. Get the hell off of here and keep being good at what you're best at. Being wrestler. Fuck exactly. social media, man. Everybody, everybody on there is they're slaves and they don't even realize it. They 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 are conditioned to think their opinions matter a lot more than it does, and because you and because they can post it on there, you're instantly supposed to be affected by it. Like no, it's just a place to funnel opinions so that they're out of the way and not uh, leave them complacent. You don't have to worry about them actually making a difference anywhere else. Uh, Pretty sweet much sweet and simple. Ah, oh, boy. So you hear any other good stories going on, or should I take another? Should I just pick another one out of the the bag of tricks? Uh, okay, let's pick them like daisies. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, well, let's talk about, I guess, the revival. Oh, the revival. Yeah, they took a picture recently with Private Party. Did you see that? That I did see. Yeah, very, very interesting. Let me bring it up on the screen here. Damn, they're one of the best tag teams in the game right now in the revival. You could be looking at the future. I mean, as long as that future involves a revival, actually winning tag teams because they actually deserve it, so... That would be wonderful. <laughs> We're hearing that they still haven't signed or renewed. With <laughs> By the way, let me let me uh, put this on our Twitter. I'm, I'm not really doing Facebook too much anymore, but I'm putting this, having the bot put this link on our Twitter for people that are um, on iTunes on demand. Yeah. You can or see what we're putting people on like there. Matt Hardy and freaking. Yeah, thanks for the like, Matt. <laughs> Tell you, man, we out here. This shit ain't no catchphrase. This is not a game, all right? Yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, apparently they haven't signed their contracts. They only have a few months left and we're hearing that they want to make them like more of a comedic group, like the fabulous ones and, uh, or the original Fargo's heel gimmick in the late fifties, which I don't know shit about. That's what it's being compared to though. But they said apparently, uh, even the tripping was deliberate, which I find hard to believe that trip looked like a shoot trip to that me. That trip was not deliberate. Fuck that. Yeah. You don't trip that good. They said they wrestled some miracle on 34th Street thing, and uh, I don't know. I'd like to see those two go somewhere else. It's about freaking time. They well, they haven't had a credible tag title run or any accomplishments that they've been on that main roster. It's time to go. Yeah, go go wrestle private party. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe WWE wants to make them a comedic duel to, to, to lower their credibility on the way out the door. Remember what Ambrose said about how when he, since they didn't know if he was staying or going, they didn't know what to do with him. That's why reason you would see him get like specials and then like a little while later he would job out to someone and get put through like the yeah, announce table. Because they didn't know they, if he was staying They had no idea. He wasn't sharing anything. Maybe that's the situation that we're looking at here. They don't know what to do with the revival because they're, they're, push has gone a lot like Ambrose's when he was almost out the door where like sometimes they're the champions then the very next day they could be an absolute joke and get their asses completely handed to them then they're the champions again you know and it just keeps going back and forth and back and forth they don't know what to do with these guys and the thing about it is I don't know how much they think they could lower their stock because it's like we've seen what these guys could do in NXT they were the first ever two-time NXT tag champions we know how good they can be Anybody who watched them in NXT knows how good they can be. 
so it's like you're trying to bury these two just as usual, just out of spite. So it's just, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, don't sign that contract, walk out the door and go out and actually try to be the best freaking tag team because you're not yeah. going to do it here. Yeah. And it's been reported that Vince sees them as a couple of mid carters anyway. Yeah, kind of doesn't surprise you. mean, treats them like it. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that sucks, man. It really does. Like, those guys like them, the Ascension, all those guys, I don't know what happens after they cross that threshold over in a Raw and SmackDown, but everything just goes downhill. Well, the Ascension are already taking in the bookings now. Yeah, go out somewhere and be good. <laughs> in all fairness, though, those guys were never good. I mean, they were never really that good, but it's like... They could have got a lot more done from them than they did on that main roster. Once they took that ass woman from those legends, it was just poof. I don't know, man. I've I've been if since episode one on here, I've always maintained that I'm surprised how bad the two of them are. Like they're really bad. Like, and I like their personalities because I've seen them like on other stuff, like the ride alongs and the swerves and all that. They seem like cool yeah. dudes, but holy shit, man good lord like their matches just their matches are horrendous and uh i'm i it's a credit to wwe that they kept the ascension as long as they did because it's not like i was like oh god not the ascension (laughs) you know like i could never see anything good with them yeah but i mean it is what it is for sure i mean glad those two got out there hope things work out for them dash and dawson need to get the fuck out of there do not sign another contract (laughs) I don't care what they offer you. You don't sign the contract because they're not going to give it to you. You never know, though. You never, never know, man. Because At this uh, point with this company, it seems to be the case. I know. <laughs> Looking for Ziggler. Every time Ziggler wants to leave their ham title, his stupid ass stays around. Yeah, that's what happens, man. You know, they, they, they manage to hand tie people toward the end is when they promise. You know what they'll do? They'll push you a little bit to get you to sign that contract and, and stick around and make it seem like it's going to be OK. And then they'll de-push you. And for that, I bring to you Exhibit A, good old Dana <laughs> Brooke here. Good old Dana Brooke, who, according to Sports Illustrated, has now signed a five year deal with WWE. So that Batista shit could be one of the reasons that they're pushing her. The other one could be because her contract was coming up. And they want yeah. to show her that she's still useful, like I just said. So they're they're featuring her more so that she'll go, okay. And maybe, and of course, they sweeten the deal. They don't want to lose her. She's always been really good. You know that, right? Like she's really good. Oh, and they just haven't used her. Amazing. Like she you let she's that a, girl go. The sky's the limit. Like she's legit athletic, like an actual ninja level of of the stuff that she can do. And they just don't use her. They're they're just there's terrible. some there's some girls on that roster. Dana Booker wrestles circles around. She's so athletic. Like that cartwheel she does when she comes out, it's with no effort whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> she she does it with the same effort you take to put one foot in front of the other. Tonight she was good. You know, she's. I mean, well, that was um, rather Friday. She was good. Yeah, yeah. She's always been great. It's just they never really do anything with her. Yeah, so she talked about having a, she said, I just signed the new five-year deal on WWE and part of my goal is to build my own personal brand and women empowerment is a key to the success of my career and a key for WWE. We can do what the male wrestlers have done for over years and now women are finally being given the chance. That also means that I get the chance to show what I can do and I really believe that 2020 is going to be the year for people to see a different side of me and I hope so too because she always deserved it and here's the, uh, the full Sports Illustrated article if you want to read everything that dana said in the interview 
But, you know, that's what I mean. You got people that uh, are going to start signing these kind of deals. Yeah. All you got to do is just dance the carrot in front of them a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see her succeed, though. I really, really would, because she, she has it in her, for sure. Yeah. But speaking of dancing the carrot a little bit and teasing stuff a little bit, I thought this was an interesting photo. Oh, boy. Okay, you frightened me. I, <laughs> I didn't know where, because I just started thinking about stuff with Batista, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is on Twitter. It says 2020, hashtag feed me more. Yeah. Does he look a little bit, does Brian look a little bit smaller, or is just Cody just bigger than I think he is? Uh, no, they look about the right size. Okay, I was thinking, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe it's, you know, I think it's the hoodie. Yeah, it's... Could it be, you know? Like, <laughs> I always thought Ryback was good, man. I've said from the beginning that that guy, they could have done so much with him. I feel like if they turned him loose in AEW, he would, I think he would have a lot of fun. I think he could fit in really good there. He has the look. And AEW doesn't have too many big guys as well. I mean, he's athletic for his size too we saw like towards the end of his run he started trying new stuff not all of it looked good but the fact that he was having the balls to go out there and try it it's just he's always been a nice piece of work whenever whenever we watched him wrestle so. and, they, and they've always uh the, and i told you before i kind of feel like he left at a bad time but i might be proven wrong if this a because at the time that i was saying that there was no aew you know what i mean and it was yeah. like, what are you going to do? You should have built up your credentials there that I wear at some point in the future when they run out of Hall of Famers. They have no choice but to bring you in and mend fences and you get the whole bonus and the ring and everything. you know. But then it's like maybe in this new world, we don't even have to really think about that. you know, Because uh, there are alternatives. Before, there weren't alternatives. So it would feel like people are shooting themselves in the foot when they don't just eat WWE shit. Now, not so much. you know. So even though he's been dormant for a while, this guy might be able to capitalize and uh he, i he definitely will be one of my picks and, and aew not for nothing they're very generous with the amount of people they seem to hire anybody and i don't mean that disrespectfully but they seem to hire whoever the hell they want you yeah know? they seem they, they they tend to get like almost want to give almost anybody a shot so. yeah which is a bit bothersome where it's just kind of like at times it's good, but at times it's bad. So, I mean, if you're going to do that with anybody, this is a guy who WWE almost had him pinned as a top guy at one point. Yeah. And then something just went awry. Yeah. I guess he rubbed people the wrong way. You know, you know, you know how easy it is to piss them off. Yeah. You know, and, uh, he always talked about what a toxic environment it is on his recent podcast. He was talking about the way that the, uh, you guys could listen to the whole thing. I'll link you to it. But he was talking about the wellness policy and the way like their exceptions and then stuff. I'm gonna let you hear this little clip here. Yeah. Again, none of this is none of this is for the talent. This is right. for WWE because the government was breathing down their back. And I know there's still loopholes in it, and there's guys getting away with murder on right. different things. So it's right. If you don't have a if you have a uh, a uh, a different contract, not they, they like a, a Brock Lesnar is on a different deal than other talent. So guys like when when they bring the Rock in, Triple H, those guys don't have to be tested. Never, and I've never, and I've never seen Brock ever in that drug testing pool. But he's also not there all the time. I can't right. say if he's ever been tested or not. But I wouldn't be surprised if he never was. And Hunter, there's no way he's. And he, he, if he is, he's he, he'll do one as a publicity stunt. Hunter's whole career has been made on steroids. That's fucking. I grew up watching the guy. Without them, he doesn't exist in pro wrestling. So, and that's just that's my honest. And I grew up loving him. Is one of my favorites. And uh, it's that's what it is. 
So it's very biased with what they do there and all that. But it, the policy in itself is... I, I love it. I wish there was. I wish they had the strictest drug testing in all of wrestling. Get mm-hmm. the sh- I, want, I don't like this shit. I want it, late, but yeah. And I, I got a couple, couple questions on this, and, and then we'll move on. When you say multiple times a year, are we talking like four or five? Four is typically that number. I think you're tested minimum four times, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Going back, that's always that was. You're always tested at least four times in the year. Yeah, and then um, as far as. If you're not there, for instance, uh, when Paige, uh, one time she was popped, she wasn't, you know, she was out with an injury. Primo, I can't imagine him being at TV when he's never being used. Yeah. Do they have you go to a, a, a medical facility to get tested <laughs> if you're not there? Or or how do they handle talent that aren't at, they at the They can send someone to your house. I actually had something back when I was younger and developmental and I was back home at my dad's house. They actually called me and uh, they needed a random drug test. And they sent the tester to my dad's house in Vegas, and he came into my dad's bathroom with me, and they did the whole deal there, which was weird. It's weird, and that, but that's kind of like you know UFC with USADA, and they send people if they need a test, you got to be made available for them or wherever you are at. If they want to test you, like you, the the only way they guess essentially is if your phone, you can say you don't answer and they're whatever but typically you got a period where you got to get back to them where are you at and then they'll send somebody at whatever local agency is closest to you to there or you have to go there so yeah uh, my last question on this is you you hear um you, you always when people hear drug testing i think they always think steroids but the thing that's been killing people and celebrities really for for a long time now has been prescription you know prescription yeah, so I'll link you guys to the whole thing for that. But yeah, he says Triple H is exempt from the rules, huh? <laughs> Alright, well, we always knew the part-timers were, though. Yeah, like, we, we know ain't nobody testing Brock. Because ain't nobody find to test him, but... Or Rock, uh, for that matter. Look at when Rock came back those last few times. Right. It was like, come on, Rock. Motherfucker what? could barely get his arm up. He was so swollen. Yeah, like, what? who are you fooling, Rock? <laughs> Who do you think we're we know blind? you've been we, we know you've been hanging out with Billy Graham. Come on, man. Yeah, right. Don't hang out with him too much. Uh you wind up on the injury road every other week, But yeah, WWE, they have a lot of people that they have to keep happy at this point. Because another person that they're gonna need to keep happy is Ric Flair because his contract expires at the end of this year. Right around the corner. This is an oil painting. That somebody gave him for Christmas, by the way, if you're looking at the screen. That's really cool. I thought that was just like a legit like picture. No, this is an oil paint. I'll put it big there so you can see. I'll link you guys social media. Yo, that's some talent. Yeah, (laughs) We want to tweet this person to make a Talk Rums logo because this oil paint logo would be wonderful. He said, we received the beautiful oil painting of our special day for Christmas from my daughter, Megan, and Conrad Thompson. Because remember, his daughter is married to Conrad Thompson. So the two of them together got them this oil painting very cool here it is on social media for you guys that is awesome that is cool i really like that man so the thing is rick flair's friends with tony khan keep this in mind when you think about the fact that his contract's expiring at the end of the year the end of the year is like days away the end of the year is like next tuesday this time next week we will be in a new year yeah, you don't want him to show up with Tully. Oh, God. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, he basically remember the man thing that happened to him with the trademark. Oh, he spoke, yeah, he spoke to Wrestling Inc. and he's quoted as saying, I'm happy with the progress. I don't want to get credit for starting this, but I notice a bunch of people are doing it now um, in regards to people filing for trade rocks. I want people to know this before they start spending money. I spent 40 years building that brand. So much of it was when brand development wasn't part of the demographic to be successful in wrestling. I thought I never thought about today in the 80s and it. It's come a long way. If I had someone marketing me the way Wendy does or WWE does back in the 80s, then there would be a difference in income streams. So I see what happens. But, you know, AEW can show up. Tony Khan probably already spoke to him. You never know. Yeah, if they're friends, if they're friends they've talked. <laughs> yeah, man. You never know nowadays. Exactly. But uh, another person who... Uh, Seems to have something looming in the future. I got a flow. You got a what? I got a flow. Yeah, I got a flow. You got a flow. So year. let it go. Yeah. Brother. You never know. He could pop up again next week. He could. <laughs> He's a hulkster, man. <laughs> so Hogan, basically, this was pretty recent. He said that uh, something really big is about to go down. Hollywood for life. Too sweet. And uh, it's gonna be Hulk Hogan's OC. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this is how he looked in the picture. Okay. Oh, okay. He look, look at that. He got the blonde, freaking sideburns and shit. Now he looks, he looks like macho, like a like a blonde macho there. Right. Macho, macho toward the end had facial hair similar to that. But yeah, he got. I don't know. Just Hogan's new look. What do you think it is? Maybe he's gonna go to AEW and fight Ric Flair. <laughs> oh man that would be some shit it's gonna be a lights out match too yeah right whoever, <laughs> it's gonna be a lights out match because people are gonna die in the ring at this point yeah that's something else all right i'm picking more stories here like i said guys it's a light news week so you know yeah. if you don't like some of the news sorry so Cody Rhodes let's get him up on the screen before we even do the story otherwise how inconsiderate would that be Cody Rhodes recently spoke about uh, giving WWE permission to use his father's name I guess he has the rights to his father's name Um, and people asked him about him having uh, on Twitter they asked him about WWE having the Dustin Rhodes tag team tournament and he said, if you follow my account, if you follow this account, then I'm sure you've seen how complimentary to WWIM and often. I literally just gave them the rights to use my dad's name for their tag team tourney. So, and that's true. He's always been very positive. You've never really heard him be negative. Like, yeah, they take little digs. The whole elite group does. But he he's not as shitty as they are about trying yeah. to claim people's uh, copyrights and stuff. He understands the importance of the Dusty Rhodes tournament. Yeah. He understands the lives that it influences and the young people coming up through the developmental system yeah. that are that have potential to be great things. And you know what? At the end of the day, you can look at it as a WWE developmental system or you could look at it as a wrestling developmental system, which at the end of the day, talent that doesn't work out there, nonetheless, could still be great talent that will work out somewhere else, whether it be with AEW or Japan or whatever. Why not support exactly. them? That's the same tournament that the Revival came from. If the Revival wind up in AEW... At some, even though WWE wasn't always good with them, they have some 
credit for having brought that team up, elevated them, put them in the takeover, featured them, and made them something worthy to go to AEW. Why not support WWE? At the end of the day, you got to use WWE's logic if you're going to survive in this business. And what I mean by that is WWE, at the end of the day, harvests talent. They use Ring of Honor like a like a developmental cropping ground that they don't have to pay for because they got a bunch of talent that comes through there that they can scout. A lot of it is in contracted talent. They could just watch them get experience. And when they feel they're experienced enough, pluck. That's what they do. It's just free. It's just basically a free vegetable field for them. They're just growing talent there. It doesn't belong to anybody. Anyone can pick at it. They have their own homegrown developmental crops, but they also can just pluck talent. People have to start plucking from them, too. And I don't mean deliberately, but I just mean at the end of the day, you want to support the guys that are in WWE because at the end of the day, they may not necessarily always be there, you know. And uh, that Dusty Rhodes tournament does a lot of good to let people get showcased and give them the experience that they need, at least in my opinion. So I think it's cool that he does that. You know, I think he knows Dusty would have wanted that. And like Stacey said, he's not going to punish the fans, you know. Exactly. He's not going to give anybody else shit for like the WWE. Especially when it comes to NXT and um, that tournament, because those were Dusty's kids there. Like this is, that's what you'd call it. You'd call it Dusty's kids. Like they would. Dusty was like a father figure to everybody in NXT. Dusty Rhodes held the NXT. Dusty Rhodes the first time anybody saw the NXT Championship. Dusty was holding it in his arms, and he gave it to Seth Rollins after he won his match. Like Dusty's a lot of a part of that company to the point where you can't like punish the people who stick by it. As much as we criticize Raw. Specifically, the WWE brand in the last few years has changed drastically from where it used to be to where it is now. Who's to say that if Cody Rhodes would have existed in this WWE ecosystem, that he would have not only still be here, but maybe he would have been someone like Finn Balor, who would have wound up in NXT, part of a Dusty Rhodes classic tournament himself. Maybe he would have been someone who would have found another place to go. Because at the end of the day, that was what happened. The guy couldn't find a place to go, no matter what he did. Whether he was the dashing guy who was obsessed with looking at himself in the mirror and would freak out when someone damaged his face. Whether he was the guy who got his face damaged by the 619 who now wears a mask because he thinks he's hideous and became sort of like a Dr. Doom. Whether he was just the aggressive Cody Rhodes after that, the mustache Cody Rhodes, Stardust. It just seemed like the guy couldn't get a fucking break and he made all of these gimmicks work. He was really talented, and I've always said, and I'm that's, I'm proud to say that from the first episode on here, I've always said I thought he was one of the best. And I was back when he was doing all this silly shit. I was like, that guy's one of the best, and they don't use him. I said it from day one. I said he's my favorite. For many years, I said in WWE he was my favorite. And I'm glad that he was able to find his way. And uh, he was wasted talent. But who's to say that now, when you have all this other places, NXT UK, NXT... You know, 205 Live. Who's to say he wouldn't have somehow found a spot to be in? That's one of the reasons that I always felt there is some positivity with the brand extensions that they have. Because once you limit the titles and the brands, you limit the chances to have top guys main event. There's a lot of people, if you look at the old days, when we first started having drafts, that as good as we think they are, you got to ask yourself if they would have ever had the opportunity to be world champions. And no disrespect to these people, I think that they're all great. But when you look at the fact that most of our lives, there was one title up until about 2002. Of course, sure, you had WCW and other brands out of WWE, but within WWE, there was one world title. 2002 was the first time in our lives that we had two, which gives them some flexibility. Mark Henry being the world heavyweight champion in the Hall of Pain 
Would they have done a Mark Henry Hall of Pain title run that was almost a year if there wasn't an alternative title on Raw while that was happening on SmackDown? Exactly. You know what I mean? Christian. Why not? Christian having the World Heavyweight title. <laughs> you know what I mean? On SmackDown, being the top guy there. And I don't know, as much as I like him, even Edge. If you look at Edge. Look at Eddie Guerrero. If you look at JBL. Yeah. A lot of these guys were the alternative champion. Not that there was anything wrong, but when they had their big storylines going on with the top guys that they wanted to push... Even Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle, to some extent, on SmackDown, got to be those alternative champions because there was that belt there. Jeff Hardy is a guy who, sure, they liked him, but if there was only one title that can go to WrestleMania and Royal Rumble and all that shit, they wouldn't have put him there. Exactly. One name um, I think I heard get thrown into that bunch was uh, Benoit. Benoit would probably never been world champion if there was just one belt. Yeah. Like, the fact that there were two opened the door, you know, like. So uh, now this new WWE has belts all over the damn place, shows all over the place. Maybe Cody would have found somewhere to be. Yeah, it would have been something there. Yeah, I don't think that the guy, uh, yeah, like I don't think that he has any ill feelings towards WWE. It's just the, like I said, I I think it's the infrastructure has become polluted. And but even if there's good people running it, you know, pretty much. All right. Next story is going to be an updated story here. Let's see, bring it up on the screen real quick. Sorry, anyone who's impatient. I control every damn thing, so. Who's sitting? You wait. Jimmy Uso, look at that. Ooh, so crazy. (laughs) 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 So, uh, Jimmy was found not guilty for DUI. This is what the jury has decided. They have found him not guilty. So, uh. Despite that, WWE has no plans for the Usos to return. So uh, I guess they're still being punished. Maybe at this point, even though that last one he was no guilty for, by that point they had it with his shit. You know, it's just like, well, fuck it. He was still in a situation where the same shit happened again. We're tired of it. Exactly. I'm not saying how many times can you let it go. And I'm not saying that's the right choice. That's up to you guys to decide. But I'm just saying that that could be their attitude. Like, like whatever. It's just they're just annoyed. You know what I mean? Like they're annoyed that there's a footage of him like that. It's like, you know what I mean? It's their company, you know? They don't have to... Whether he's found guilty or not doesn't mean that... uh They just don't want him in the public eye like that, I'm sure. And it's not like it's the first time that it's happened. So when you really look at it like that, you know... It's a shame that, unfortunately, uh Jay and Naomi are being completely dragged down thanks to this. Yeah, it's a damn shame. Because, I mean, it could have a lot of this shit could have been avoided. They could have just had everything, like, together... And not been dealing with all this stuff. I mean, you, you got, you got, you, you have to deal with the cause, with the effect of every cause you do. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's the last of him being in trouble, but they will have to decide at some point whether they're going to resign him because I'm sure he will find work elsewhere. Yeah. Somebody out there will sign those two if like, they don't. All right. Well, next we have Billy Gunn comes up in a story. The one. Not even, not anymore, because uh, he's filed some trademarks. He's filed Austin Gunn, son of a gun, because he has a son, as you can see from this photo up here. That is his son. See? Look at that. They were, he even wears ass man pants. <laughs> oh, that's a visual for you. That's a... Yeah, so son of a gun is probably something that he's going to use for his son. Maybe it'll be a team or something. Austin Gunn's an okay name. You know, he could call him um, Billy Son. 
<laughs> Maybe he can call <laughs> the son Billy Gunn. <laughs> Billy son. What the fuck is he? An American, an Asian cartoon? Fucking Billy son. He also filed for Gun Club. Bang, bang. You know, so, uh, yeah, the son Billy Gunn. Oh, Jesus Christ. Now come with that music, right? That that that. <laughs> oh god son of a gun i like that though there you go so yeah definitely an interesting deal that they have there okay in other news apparently wwe has had some what was this a house show or something they had their first all-female nxt event yeah the ladies got to play and they're all and it was making all women's nxt um Deal that wound up happening not long ago. Yeah, apparently they have a backstage video here. So I'm going to let us take a look at that. Tonight is a special night. And every NXT live event is special because of just the NXT Universe fan experience. But tonight is even more special because Jacksonville uh, gets to have a NXT all-women's live event. And... It's already electric out there as people are walking into the the armory, and it's so much fun. It's something we've been working on for a long time, uh, an idea that we've had, you know, floating around the office for a long time. But tonight we get to to watch it, you know, become reality. It is an overwhelming, but a feeling of accomplishment is. Probably the best way I can explain how I'm feeling right now. This was because of the hard work that they put out there. This is a testament to every blood, sweat, and tears that they put into the performance center under under the you know the the learning tree of Coach Amato and Coach Deeb. It is it is them like basically their work demanding that. Hey, you know what? Sometimes we get three matches on a on a live event. Tonight we get nine because you know what? We deserve it. It just feels great because even five years ago, you, you wouldn't think that this was possible. To be a part of something so fresh and, you know, women getting their, their shot, not looked at as objects, but as bad asses in the ring, it fills my heart, definitely. I grew up wrestling band. I wanted to be a wrestler since I was a little girl, and my dream was to change the perception of women's wrestling. And there's been so many firsts that I haven't gotten to be a part of, so um, for NXT to hold its first ever all-women's live event, and I get to be a part of that, I get to open the show and set the tone for the women here in NXT, um, feels amazing. There's so many of us that aren't showcased yet, we aren't on TV yet, and we are grinding it out on these live events week after week, um, and to have that hard work pay off for all of us across the board tonight, and the spotlight is on all of us women. Um, that's a little bit of a dream come true for me. I didn't know that was going to happen. 
Corto. That was so unexpected, but okay. Yeah, whatever works, right? Yeah. They have fun. They out there. There you go. I was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hey, good for them, though. Mm hmm. I dropped the link there, right? Yeah. Yeah, you guys got it. Thanks for the retweet, DB. WWE 2K20. Yeah. Has been recalled. You can get your full money back for your copies. No matter. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck with your shitty copies, fools. <laughs> Let me bring it up on the screen here. I'd like to have the graphics so you guys could see. For sure. So, uh, they had a patch, right? Yeah. Um, added the new, uh, Wastelanders DLC. Oh, thank goodness, because that's what everybody bought that game for in order to be able to play fucking Wastelanders. That's where you, your medieval versions of them or whatever that nonsense was. It's like almost like Mad Max esque versions from what I've seen. Why? No, but this patch, here are the patch notes here. They finally added the create a championship feature. That's right. Feature that's supposed to be with the game. You got it months later, but you can now create a championship, guys. They are. They address reporter concerns that crashes may occur due to running out of memory, concerns that crash may occur when resuming the game from a suspended state, when performing a forced sign-out, when entering showcase towers and originals, uh, on the legal screen after launching the game, when accessing 2K originals from other modes. So those are all the places that a crash could happen. Holy shit, so pretty much anywhere. They did improvements to the AI's behavior, the animations and the collisions, they... Address reported concern with visual corruption and deformation in different areas of the game, including entrances, matches, highlights, and the highlight reel. They address reported concerns with reversals, with hair in the big head mode, where characters may freeze, warp, or become unresponsive in specific situations. Um, clipping concerns regarding superstars and environments. Uh, concerns that crashes may occur involving custom arenas, custom matches, custom attires, custom superstars, and custom images. Uh, concerns where face paint fails to appear during entrance victory scenes. Uh, crashes may occur when entering backstage or at the start of the backstage brawl. Dress concerns that crashes may occur when a superstar interrupts another match by setting up a ladder or by jumping from the corner during gameplay. And then in the creations area, they address some various reported concerns with custom images and create a superstar, address various reported concerns with alternate attires, deformation, and missing geometry, um, with hair appearing shiny and hair dye failing to appear, um, with facial de deformation when adjusting height and reported concerns with facial distortion occur occurring when using the face outline tool and create a star, uh, downloading superstars, um, Concerns that crashes may occur trying to upload custom movesets and custom shows and community creations. Um, infinite load screens when trying to edit a moveset for a custom superstar. Um, crashes may, that address crashes that may occur when entering a creative mode set moveset menu after previously uploading custom movesets in the community creations. Um, address concerns that crashes may occur in a create video. Um, or where superstars would appear as corrupt silhouettes when using a cutscene video clip from the highlight reel to create a video. Address concerns that crashes may occur in the loading screen when trying to enter. Create a victory. Wow, that's a lot. We're not done though. I was just taking a yeah. breath. 
because then they had to deal with online. That was a soft line. Then they addressed reported concerns about potential crashes, infinite load screens, and network error messages in various areas of online mode. Address concerns that crashes may occur when the host quits out of an online match, when entering a one-on-one match as the host inside of the online menu, and when accepting an invite. Concerns about the countdown timer. Concerns where the title doesn't transition to the lobby. When accepting an invite after the user has signed out of the profile previously. Concerns when the user signs out of their account while creating a lobby online. Concerns where the user will be placed into their own lobby when accepting an invite while in tonight's match. Those old things that were fixed. Universe mode. They made the tires, the alternate tires are now usable. They weren't before. Uh, concerns where uh, editing matches in universe mode wouldn't work concerns where crashes may occur when viewing the matchup screen of full preview in universe mode concerns with a max number of matches on the pay-per-view were stuck at 10 uh, concerns that crashes may occur when going into a championship ladder match for a custom money in the bank briefcase concerns when the pa- post-match run-in sequence did not occur properly when the winner of the match is a champion and the run-in is a superstar is a money in the bank holder in universe mode this thing was uh fucked up my player in my career addressed reported concern when career rewards unlocked with accelerator concerns that crashes may occur in my career my player wizard uh concerns where the user may be kicked back to the my player menu when attempting to enter certain matches concerned when the objective may not complete correctly in my career and Royal rumble matches concerned where runners may interrupt world to glory pay-per-view matches concerned when random runners appearing in pay-per-view matches during 2K Central, they address reporter concerns that crashes may occur when entering the first four horsewomen matches. Address reporter concerns with certain tower matches and showcase objectives. In 2K Originals, they address concerns where instances where subtitles will be missing, where save data containing DLC may fail to load when launching them from the title on offline mode, um, cutscenes, entrances, weapons, and referees. Uh, concerns that crashes may occur when loading into the Bump in the Night DLC. And then as far as audio goes, they address some concern with music, ambient audio, child tears, and chants. And I bet the game still shit. I bet the game still sucks. I told you that it was so, this is exactly what I told you guys. It's so broken that like, they, they, they're just gonna, this is like crazy damage control. There's just no way to fix something that broken. At this point, there's more data. If you have the disc of the game, the whole disc is garbage. It's just there to verify that you own the shit because all the data in there is null and void. They've practically replaced the whole code and are still going, you know, so whew. talk about a flop. So there's some, uh, there was an AEW Christmas commercial. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. This aired before the NBA on TNT. Let me see if I could pull it up here. Where is our Christmas commercial? Aha, here we go. I'll link you guys in the chat as well. What did AW give to me? A V-trigger. Heck, that's my knee. Gin and juice. Watch out! Our pet dinosaur. This is Skateboard. We're not Skateboard! Nothing. Because I celebrate Hanukkah. Why am I doing this? All the lead wrestling on TNT <laughs> Dynamite returns January 1st. Catch up on demand and the app. Oh, that was oh, great. Oh, the other ones in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> so dumpy. I celebrate Hanukkah. Why am I doing this? Oh, shit. And apparently for once, Willie's going to be getting some good news this Christmas. Santa put something in the stocking for him. Yeah, I'm talking about so- Willie V2 in the chat room. Yeah, because uh, Bull Dallas is teasing something. 
<laughs> Wish I could make this shit up, man. <laughs> you darkened the fuck out of it, didn't you? <laughs> he ain't playing this shit. <laughs> he put on. I'm on a life-changing expedition right now, and the next time you see me, it will be a bow you've never seen. Hashtag bow sway. Hashtag WWE. <laughs> I fuck? get it. I, I, I get it. He, what's he going to do? He's going to do a, he, he's going to do like JBL and start hunting herds of Mexicans. <laughs> Look at that. We're going to get a new bow. You wished and you and you got it. It's 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 because it's a Christmas miracle. I'm telling you, man, he, he's gonna try this <laughs> this amazing new gimmick where he's actually relevant. Yeah, Mark says. Come on, Mark, Bray got better shit to do. He got a champions to defend. He can't be fucking around with Bo. Bo and Bray, that would be. I mean, he looks like a. I always said that when Bray smiles, he looks like a Bo Lever. Doesn't he? You know, like I always say, when Bray smiles, he's Bo Leaving. You know, now you look at. Bow on the screen. Does he kind of look like like look at how Bow's cartoony kind of enough to fit into the Firefly Funhouse? And I see a mile gets a slack jaw there. I don't know if this is me, but yeah, well, Bow's Bo, Bo, go. gonna be headline and main event in no time. I can't wait. See, look at how incredible this is. <laughs> Christmas, just the power of Christmas, right there, man. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? To be on TV, okay. Yeah, Bow is back. Yeah. On superstars. Mm-hmm. No shit, the brothers. Well, everybody knows that. They only look the fucking same. The power of Christmas has brought somebody else back, and you're not even gonna believe who. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, I challenge CM Punk to a match at WrestleMania, bro. Dead serious. Is that who the fuck I think it is? It's up to him now. Yes. You know. You think he'll try to stop me at the front door? Kidding me? <laughs> That's not him. The performance center lunatic. Yeah. Oh my god, he looks different every time I see. I saw it. I was like, wait a minute, wait a fucking. The second I heard him start talking, it's like no fucking way. <laughs> now he's coming for CM Punk. Oh for fuck's sake, Phil! Answer the thing. He's got shit on your door. Oh man! What the fuck? Another Christmas miracle! <laughs> Yay! See how many oh. Christmas miracles we get, man. I, I I'd rather I'd rather have to take a sidekick from Goldberg. What do you mean? What is that? You don't remember the old episode? That guy who used to stalk the performance center, and eventually the cops, <laughs> eventually the cops legit had to shoot him. Well, you want to be on the panel, but you can't remember him. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean the cops had to shoot him outside of the performance center, and he lived, <laughs> and, and he recovered really from the bullet wound and returned to try to talk to Vince McMahon to get a job. He's been, taken, he's, been, he's been arrested numerous fucking times for that. The fact that, you know, you really have to give a man credit for going to fuck with the performance center and getting shot and coming back. <laughs> he's still going. I get capped. That's it for me. Like, wow, you got shot. That doesn't happen in any storylines and you still took it. Brian Pillman didn't even actually get to shoot Austin the gun jam, did it? Yeah, that motherfucker got shot. Now he's challenging CM Punk. Be careful, Punk. This guy takes bullets. <laughs> Catch him, bullets. With his teeth? <laughs> oh, man. So we, GTS, motherfucker, I have been shot. See how fucking crazy that guy is, man? He looks like he he looks like he just stepped off of like an island of like three. He looks like he just came back from an episode of Naked and Afraid. Yeah. I mean, usually he's naked, probably, but not afraid. <laughs> you know, Naked, not afraid. Is that another one? Yeah, 
naked and not afraid because yeah yeah <laughs> that dude he i mean would it surprise you if one day we've been talking about him for years now would it surprise you if his next appearance he's just naked <laughs> it, it's it seems like the next like the next thing you know what i mean you know you know the way like you know the way like super saiyan 2 the natural design of three was just to give more long yellow hair it's like that's the same shit like the next natural it's, thing it covered shit and covered in shit exactly he'll he'll be like that greasy he'll be like the greasy dude from family guy but it'll be shit and it'll be him me. <laughs> and that's how he'll be running around the performance center <laughs> It'll be running around the performance center like that. This dude has been shot in the fucking parking lot. You know what I mean? Will you put it past him and be covered in shit naked at this point? I mean, think about it. What about that time we reported on here where he took shit and mixed it with milk in a bucket and threw it on their walls? <laughs> Hold on. Give me a second. I... <laughs> there he is. Wait. Okay, hold on. Give me a second. Me a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know we gotta do it. That's the sad part is you know it has to happen now. Like this, this fucking what I just said to you. That's gonna be him. Like this time next year, we're gonna have to report that story on here. It's gonna be fucking magical. It's just <laughs> oh, the, the the freaking yeah, this guy running around. Oh god! No, but it was. T- I'm telling you, man. Like, it's fucked up. next video. Guess who's back? Give That's me probably why the cops shot him. They were like worried. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if you were a cop and you had like a report that this guy's like flinging milk mixed with shit across the air, and then <laughs> you know you'd be worried about getting that call. Like that the next, point, I'd be the like, next can you week, just call and SWAT? Like the next week when you hear about him. You know, you would handle him like a high-level Borderlands boss. You'd probably go from a distance and just fire as long as you can. That's all the way they did. They were like, yeah. Nobody wanted to get shit or milk on them. I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine the two things combined, you know? Does <laughs> there ever be a situation where you have to say the phrase, I don't want to get shit or milk on me? First thing I got to say, no matter how some crazy somebody is, right? because a lot of things have been experimented with in our world with science and everything no matter how crazy somebody is if their weapon of choice is shit mixed with milk they (laughs) they clearly know something that we don't and and (laughs) oh god and whatever it is i don't want to find out (laughs) that motherfucker knows some high level chemical warfare like i don't want to know why he makes his milk with shit, but I do know that uh, there's something about this combination. There's something about it, and the only way to find out would be if he gets you. Yeah. <laughs> but I imagine you would find you would know right away. As soon as he hits you, you'd be like, "That's why he does it." So I would stay oh. away. That motherfucker is dangerous. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go, Mark. You'd be like the dude from Black Dynamite who said, "WWE, you thought I was dead." <laughs> that, that is that dude is crazy. Holy shit. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to see when he was making that concoction. Like, how did he go about it? Did he was he did he have like a big wooden spoon? Was he like brewing like a witch? Are <laughs> 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 you pouring beakers like a fucking scientist? Like, what, what was the process in this shit? Like, who dealt with literally, it? Literally, what was the process in this shit? Like, <laughs> who dealt with it? Did somebody have to go and get Hunter and show him, like, the side of the wall or whatever? He, he threw it out. Like, look at this Hunter. Hunter sitting there with his suit. 
slit his arms. I like you're right. I want to be the cleanup crew who's like, okay, what are we doing this? Oh, some guy threw milk and shit on the wall. Wow, man. Oh, God. There's some <laughs> issues with our laws if that man is still able to return. You know, he's the closest thing to like a DC supervillain that they have right now. Oh, he's coming out of jail. He's been shot. We thought he was dead a few times and he just keeps showing up. Oh, God. <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers out there worried about Trump. This is the one you need to be worried about. Yeah, look at this. You got a lunatic right here. I'm trying to impeach motherfuckers all the while milk, milk and shit, Mikey. Fucking you. <laughs> yeah, you know you got a real lunatic, not the fringy kind. <laughs> nah, this motherfucker, <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> we ain't got the red rider lunatics. We got the lunatic lunatics. People wouldn't have been popping if fucking Rollins opened that money in the bank briefcase, and it would have been a milk shit bomb. Oh God! <laughs> what made it fun was green slime. You turn it into milk and shit. There's a heel turn right there. <laughs> Suddenly, you turn Rollins' baby face in one explosion. <laughs> it would be a it would be a WrestleMania X seven level heel turn. That will be like the only clip. That doesn't have blood in it that they reshow in black and white. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, we gotta God. we gotta move on from that, dude. All right, next. <laughs> so yeah, we're hearing uh, that they're gonna try to redesign the U.S. title after all these years. The U.S. title, as you know it, might be gone. Now, I'm just wondering, do they mean redesign or just make it look like the world titles? Uh, I don't know. How would they make it look like the world titles? Like, what, what, what exactly? Oh, they have to do is use that same. Oh, just like a the, big, a big W. Yeah, just like the, <laughs> just like what they did with both women's championships. Like the only one that they did it and got away with it was the UK championship, and that's just because the centerpiece is completely different. Well, the IC, the IC title, uh, now has a unique look that isn't a big W, right? Yeah, the IC, the IC, yeah, the IC championship. It looks completely different from any other championship, which I like. It's I, I feel like I don't mind it looking like something I've never seen. Yeah, I because like the way this title looks, though. Default back to another one. Yeah, I've always liked the way this title looks, though, just because it's a different look, you know? Yeah, it's all, and it's the only belt in this day and age with a nameplate still. Mm-hmm. None of the other championships in all of WWE, no matter where you go, nobody else has nameplate, a nameplate anymore. Yeah, I put it large on the screen for... Uh... You guys to look at, but yeah, it's it's a, it's always been a good looking title. Apparently, oh, yeah. I don't know how close we are to getting this, but uh, according to a uh, belt fan Dan, uh, like, I don't know if that's a credible source, because he's like somebody who knows their shit, like he's in the insider one. But we have a fucking thing; they have something for everybody in this company, right? They get no privacy as much as we we hate on them. Like holy shit, they have a guy called Belt Fan Dan who keeps track of right. their belt delivery. But yeah, that's exactly what he said. He said that the new U.S. title has been delivered to the company. But he doesn't have any specifics about what it looks like, but they do have it. He literally tweeted out new belt, new US belt was delivered. No idea what it looks like. It's like some heights tech spy shit the way it's handled, right? <laughs> right? Fuck it, the package. <laughs> the dude, the dude little is in the dude. Like, fuck, I don't fucking know. Like, just... Am I the only one who sees it like, like some, um, like some Watchmen esque or some Frank Miller esque thing where it's like the guy right. is late. It's like two in the morning and he's like up on a hill looking through binoculars, crouched down at like the shipment truck with them coming out, like, you know, and unloading the belt. There it is. You know, <laughs> like they're taking this really seriously. 
<sighs> but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with the with the next U.S. title. They're changing yeah. all the titles, huh? It's almost like they're just going through a full rebranding period. Exactly, and no cooler. We ain't we ain't revising that horse shit. Nobody want that fucking thing back. Fucking Cena is a gimmick spinner belt that only could have been used by him because it didn't even have a nameplate. It just had his name stapled to the fucking thing. No. Yeah. They blew that thing up the second they got the chance. <laughs> fucking Orlando Jordan did that. Hesitate. He said, nope, not today, motherfucker. Boom. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What else do we got going on here? We have to talk about, uh, I guess we should probably talk about some of the, uh, the weeklies, right? Yeah, we haven't gone too much it. into the weeklies. I don't want to go into full details here. Like I said, Christmas. It's already Christmas Eve. I know, I know people have better things to do than talk, but there's stuff that stood out to you. Anything you want to talk about uh, uh, in regards to uh, there's anything really, you know? I mean, dude, of course, kicking it off with uh, AEW Dark. I like this team of uh, the Hybrid 2 and Pac. Personality-wise, even though Pac hates everybody, if like there was anybody who I could see him getting along with, it would be those two because they're all arrogant. They all don't like anybody but themselves. Pac is this. That was such a good match. It was it was him with uh with him against it the was, best friends. It was him and the hybrid two versus uh, the best friends in Orange Cassidy. It amazes me how much heat they were. He was able to get for interrupting the hug. Like you would think. <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you would think he killed somebody, dude. With the way yeah. everybody, they were so pissed off. You know, it's I. That's why you know this is why I love that bit with uh the best version or Cassidy because you interrupt that hug and you thought you you barbecued a baby. Yeah, no, they, they were devastated, and I remember saying, "Don't worry, they'll get that hug back." Like this whole thing is gonna be about them getting that hug back. That's when you know that this is high level. When when you can when you can scale the hug, the hug goes into the importance of a, of the match, you know. And then they did get that hug back. And like the pops twice as loud as when they just get the hug. But then that's when I knew that they weren't gonna win. I was like, oh shit, too many happy things have happened. Like they got the hug back, they got revenge. Orange Cassidy got that spot where he uh. That little hand in his pocket, Tope Suicida that he does, which is dangerous as hell, as cool as that is. That's nuts. Where your hands in your pockets the way that he does it. That, even that, that's, a, little, uh, that's a level of trust you have to have in somebody else that I don't think I can generate. You know, he even got those little lackadaisical kicks in that he likes to do. <laughs> but, um, but lo and behold, amongst all of this, what does he do? He manages to, 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 to hit a fucking tilt the world DDT. For a split moment, and then he, and then what does he do after the the the, the tilt the world DDT? A kip up with his hands still in his pockets and goes back that to the motherfucker. It's amazing. The whole, <laughs> you see I what I mean? See a man who can do so much. One do so much with his hands in his pockets, and two do the least amount and get the most freaking reaction out of it. Yeah, exactly. He's awesome, man. You know, very awesome. It's amazing to do so little and be able to get so much out of the crowd. And I think you know? I, I think that's why the crowd loves it because he's doing so much. He's doing so little, but he's doing it so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's absolutely incredible. Like, you gotta think, like, how lucky are we just to have like an Orange Cassidy out there? Like, yeah, pretty. You'd have never, thing. you'd have never thought the wrestling world needed somebody like that, and then he shows up. Yeah. See, there are certain things that they're able to do that work and that's what i like about this company it's like they need to focus on the stuff that that really that really gets that kind of a reaction out of the fans and it's just overall amusing 
you know, because I'm, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but it just happened to work out for them. Exactly. And of course, finish of this match, uh, Trent getting submitted with the brutalizer. So, uh huh. And uh, what was next? Was next a Chris Statlander's match? Well, that was the kind of the main event because I just wanted to go and jump a little head on that one. They okay. uh, started the whole thing with Private Party and SCU, actually. Right, right. Yeah, and that one, uh, SCU, kind of no surprise because, I mean, they are the tag champs. SCU wound up going over. But what I like about this match is that it did display the fact that Private Party, even though they didn't win that tag team tournament, those guys are going to be contenders for a long time. By the way, very cool when I heard, excuse me, and Vicky Guerrero came out. Cool to have Vicky Guerrero on AEW Dark doing commentary. I was so happy to see Vicky. Yeah, like that was a cool moment. And I'm glad that, uh, I mean, look at the reach that they have to have somebody like Vicky, Vicky around, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, awesomeness. And like the whole crowd was so happy to see her. Like Vicky's that kind of person where nowadays when she shows up, it's so rare that it's really special. Uh huh. So to hear, excuse me, I'm just like, no fucking way. And then she gets the second time and it's like, it's Vicky. Yeah. She did good too. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good in the commentary, she baby face commentary, which you don't get from her very often. Oh yeah, it was great. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, the tag team division is definitely alive and well. That's for sure. There's there's so much there's so much craziness in that team. It's really hard to pick a favorite anymore nowadays because you can almost justify it with everybody. Yeah. So we had two girls matches in this dark round. I don't even remember the first one. It was awful. Uh, it was a uh, Dr. Britt Breaker versus Machiko. What his name is? Yo. Machiko literally got no offense in whatsoever. Okay. None. It was just Britt Baker displaying her moves. It was like just showcasing her going from hole to move to spot. Just kind of moving Machiko around the ring. This girl never got anything in. This is what I'm talking about. The, the women's division sucks. It really does. Britt Baker, I'm going to say, you know, not that good, man. She's all right. Little overrated. And yeah. I, you know what? They don't even use her, like, if she's that good. Because I kind of think that they know. It's like, she's all right, man. She, you know? But I keep seeing her jobbing out. And I keep seeing her in these bad matches fighting Machiko. Who the fuck's Machiko? And Machiko didn't showcase really anything. If you're going to go out there and you're not going to have any spots, then you should be a great seller. Which she was not. Didn't like this. Don't don't even remember what happened at the end. I don't give a fuck. Like it was awful. Yeah, it was usual shit. Lockjaw. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. Lockjaw tap out. Okay. And then we had uh Chris Statlander. Who who did she go up against again? Uh, B Priestley. Bosch Priestley. Yeah. Yeah, B Priestley. And during this match you had uh the Nightmare Collective at the top of the ramp. Uh basically holding up signs to get Chris Statlander to try to sort of recruit her, more or less. Um, and what was the finish? I know Statlander goes over. Uh, yeah, Statler basically plants Priestley right on her head. <laughs> she freaking spikes her and, uh, goes over with the win. Dude, she did a backstage promo afterwards. Did you see that promo? I didn't see the promo. First of all, I'm going to tell you ahead of time when I put this on the screen. Oh, no. It took me a minute to realize that this is her, I guess, going back to her ship. Because remember, her gimmick oh. is she's like, isn't she like from space or some shit? They said she's from like the, from somewhere in the Andromedas <laughs> when she's introduced. And that's why her makeup and shit looks like that. Her whole gimmick is she's a space girl. You realize this, right? 
You didn't realize this? Like, that's her whole story. Listen to when I introduce her. She's literally oh. coming from Andromeda. Like, she's supposed to be coming from fucking space. Oh, so, um, God. I didn't realize when I saw this promo that this is her, like, now going back to her ship. But look at this, man. And the promo <laughs> the promo's terrible, by the way. But look at, listen to this. Did you hear the news, puny human? Did you hear? Chris Statlander is going to be your leader. Because last week, I just beat Sheeta. This week, I just beat B. Nyla Rose is off of my radar, which means Britt Baker is next. The galaxy's greatest is getting that rocket strapped to her back. Do you feel that gravitational pull? It's that title coming into orbit around my waist. Next week, it's going to be you and me, Britt, and I will be your leader. <laughs> Don't forget, it's coming up this coming Wednesday, live on TNT oh, from the American God, Bank dude. Center in Corporate Christie, Texas. <laughs> 8 o'clock Eastern, I 7 Central, two full hours of Abe. What a great card in Corpus Christi, huh? Well, I cannot wait to see the hybrid two. First of all, she... Oh, my goodness. Let me get this <laughs> off the screen. Oh, my God. Dude, I just couldn't get over... Like, the promo was porno bad. <laughs> <laughs> but Is that just, another one porno bad? Like... It, it, I didn't see, realize until it was over. Cause that thing, the, the, the closing part <laughs> stood with me. I was just like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, I get it. It was her ship. In my head, I saw it and I was like, wow, they got some weird elevators in AEW. <laughs> 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 they got those elevators with the big ass sliding doors. What the fuck? <laughs> it's funny in a bad way. Like I enjoy it and I hope to see more of it, but I would advise against it. You know what the irony? <laughs> you know? What makes me laugh even more about that? When it comes to her and MJF, guess who fucking trained those two? Who? Our good old friend Chad Hawkins. Oh man, that's awesome. I sh- I shit you not. <laughs> and I, I like saw her. I I like Statlander, but she's terrible on the mic. And I think part of the reason I like her is because of how fucking goofy that was. Like the fact that she's from another place and it's, it's like it makes you laugh, right? Like, like got- she used so many fucking space references. Yeah. Like she, like she went crazy with space references. I like, think like that's she- why I like that one is because I like the effort. It just didn't transfer well, but I appreciate the effort she put. Like she is from space straight up, you know? And uh, it's funny. God, like, what the hell would the Nightmare it. Collective want with someone from space? Who knows? Maybe they get international hair. Like, their sign said stuff like uh, Stat- Chris Statlander phone home and beam her up and uh, shit because they're trying to recruit her. You know, they want to have a space Christ. character. Maybe they'd like the idea of having a ship. We know it's Kurt Hawkins. That's an old joke. There was a point where uh, Morrow botched and went, Chad Hawkins! And we just always, ever since, we just kind of adopted that. It, 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 it's this wondrous thing called a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a running gag. There are people in that, that that haven't listened. I mean, that joke sold. There are people who've listened to us for probably years and have thought that uh, we're just so stupid that we say Chad Hawkins all the time. Like, I, I, I say, you do think, like, I say it with the confidence that you're like, you should know, it's probably part of the bit. We have so many different little bits and segments here. Like, it's a- in case he we wasn't buried work. enough, he comes out and fucking Marvel's Chad Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like the freaking the, the Adam Rose drop. Like it's just I forget who his co-host was. Whoever the Cole guy was was like, ah, oh, it's Kurt Hawkins actually. Like they fixed it. It might have been. That might have been Corey because I think Graves was still down there. Chad Hawkins, that's so great. Mark said, "Now they need Arrow Star." Oh Jesus! Right? Could you imagine? Oh man! I love that part though, where the thing closes when she was done. <laughs> now she went back to her ship. That's hardcore. I used to think it was amazing that the Undertaker is this being from a dark side of the world, a dark dimension, or whatever, and he'll go bother, and he'll bother to come here to fight to be in the Royal Rumble. You know, and, and this this bitch is from fucking space. Oh, from and it's because like I like I, I enjoy kill. this. Uh, like I I want her to push her, push it. I want yeah. I want a I want a space girl to be the champion. Like I mean, at the end of the day, it'll be better than somebody who's ninety pounds soaking wet with a brick in each pocket. I want, I want everyone but, uh, to wear alien shit, like to help support this gimmick. <laughs> you know, like help. Like even though she's bad at it, that that's part of the fun. I think is that she's so bad at it that it'll be good. To have a yeah. corny ass space gimmick like this, I, I think that's why I like it. Is because she's terrible at it, but it's just she's trying her best, and it makes me laugh and it makes me smile when I see her. So I'm just like, you know what? I'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's something. I, about I, it I, I think that's what it is. It's, it's the fact that it brings you joy when you see it. That's <laughs> what it is. There is something about it that makes you smile because every time I see it, I smile. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you know? when it comes to entertaining, it's like the R true stuff. You, we know we're not supposed to take this shit seriously, but when you see our truth on TV, you get happy. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, I want this. I want to see more of this. I'd rather see this than Riho or any of or 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 um Ny- right. Nyla Rosa. Yeah, I want to see this more of the Space Girl. Right. Get, get, get just just send Nyla Rose to wherever she's from. Riho will get that belt off her. We just give her a space check. I'll laugh put- my way through the shitty promos. I don't care. I want them to put a little more production to her now that she's committed to being a Space Girl. Just want to see more space stuff happen. Oh my god! Imagine her special entrance at a pay per view. Yeah, I want to see all kinds of space shit happen. I want her to like beam people up, get beamed (laughs) down. She gotta have to fucking get beamed down from the rafters and shit. Piss Cornette off and have her shoot somebody in the leg with a phaser. I have to have them. (laughs) You have to to sell that she shot you with her phaser. (laughs) Get that Cornette heat while you at it. Fuck it. Half the shit that pisses the corner off makes me laugh anyway. So. She should always leave like that. I, from now on, I always would love to see her promos where when it's done, the ship closes like that. Yes, no matter where she's at, too. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, literally, even if she's not in the ship at the beginning of the promo, at the end, the, the gate still comes down. She could be in the fucking <laughs> parking lot at Denny's. Once she's done with the promo, <laughs> <laughs> That is great. <laughs> What else what happened in this uh this AEW uh, Dark? That to me was my favorite thing. That was my highlight is is having the Space Girls Chris Statton in the front that's, space. That's for AEW Dark. That was actually it. That was uh those were all four matches. All right, look at that. So they did save the best for last. They figure if you're from space, you better main event, right? Oh God, that was wonderful. Yeah, we're gonna get to some more stuff with her in a minute because next up we have uh we're going into AEW Dynamite. Uh, yeah. This one was fun. They uh, kicked it off with the Lucha Brothers against the Elites, Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Yeah, unfortunately, Page, I believe, accidentally hits Omega with a buckshot lariat, right? Yep. And, uh, 
And then uh, they wind up taking it home. The heels, the Lucha Bros, wind up taking it home with that. Uh, what the hell do they call that? That stomp package pile driver that they do. They really don't have a name for it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they they have not named that move, but yeah, it's pretty then, much the Lucha Brothers in their usual way going over. Yeah, Omega's hot afterwards. He wants a pushing page and post match, but the Lucha Brothers wind up assaulting him backstage, and it's Paige who comes to help him. And uh, somehow the Lucha Brothers wind up kidnapping Michael Nakazawa. They got a bitch. Yeah. So uh, that's the sec- that's the second time I've seen them kidnap somebody too. Yeah. So now we have the rescue mission coming up later on. <laughs> Michael Nakazawa. You, you fucking have fun trying to save her from me. I watched OVE try to save Dave Chris from the Lucha Brothers once. That shit didn't end well. <laughs> right. <laughs> These motherfuckers are psychotic. All right. <laughs> yeah. Really That's funny. Your shit is not a gimmick. That is a lifestyle. Really funny uh, backstory. Did you hear what they? Did you see what they put under Adam Page's graphic when he showed up? I don't think I saw. I might not notice it. I think this was just a placeholder that they put there, and they forgot to fill it up. But look what the top says above his name. If it's not a placeholder, that's a funny joke. <laughs> it says. It says. Uh, <laughs> IDK, I don't know. Make it say something like Happy Holidays. Oh my God. And he retweeted that with SMDH shaking my damn head. <laughs> Happy Holidays. Wait, 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 leave that up there. Give me a second. Writing it down. I put it, I put it on the uh, on the tweet for you. There it is. See the tweet? Now? Oh, there you go. Sweet. There you go. Exactly spelled just like that. That's fucking amazing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Never leave a placeholder. You know. It's a no-no. <laughs> but yeah, Cody hits the crossroads. Ali's up there doing some distraction, right? Oh, yeah, for uh, the next match, we had Darby Allen and Cody versus right, Butcher. Right, I jumped ahead. Sorry. We were sitting there like, who the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We just there, what the this. fuck is Cody? You know, what is this transition? Yeah, yeah, because we finished from the fucking uh, the Adam Page now. I just happened to talk a little bit more about his his uh, his, 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 <laughs> his graphic. His graphic is he is he hog graphic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, we had Alan and uh, Rose versus Butcher and Blade finish. As you said, we had uh. <laughs> American Nightmare delivering that I guess they call it what a Cody Cutter or something like that is yeah it's the first the time that I've seen it? that finish yeah it was called the Cody Cutter yeah it's this brand new movies pulled out and yeah they want Alan and Rose go over I like this team of those two because it's a it's a partnership forged in the fact that for those who don't know they went to a time limit draw when they fought each other so it seems like it's a mutual respect there. I mean, yeah. at this point, any chance Darby Allen can get to fight somebody, he'll take it. So. At one point in the match, Darby and Cody hit stereo topes, and Darby clips the ropes and almost sashes himself. Oh yeah, he whew, he 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 got really lucky on that shot because like that could have gone from zero to terrible in a like a, a fraction of a second. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, what was that? All that was left after that was it just the main event? Uh, let's see. We had Awesome Kong was in a match, and of course that was that, a squash match, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was just it was Kong. Like I think it was Kong. What it the first or second match in AEW, and they were just like, yeah. But it happened. We experienced it, and you know. But then the main event, 
had uh, Chris Jericho and Jungle Boy in a ten limit in a ten minute time limit match. Non title, obviously, but yeah, finish to it. Jungle Boy survives. He wins ten minutes with Chris Jericho. Yeah, th- this really got Jungle Boy over as an underdog here. He survived oh, the ten that- minutes not tapping to the true lion tamer. Yeah, that freaking knee in the back cranking you thirty ways from Sunday lion tamer like you. And then uh, Jericho demands five more minutes, and he winds up leaving. He storms over, but then he comes back later on to beat up uh, Jungle Boy some more. And uh, what happens after that? He, uh, I believe, he just. Uh, oh, doesn't the ring get cleared? Ultimately, um, comes yeah, down. I believe Luchasaurus pretty much wanted to clear the play. That was uh, was Luchasaurus? Yeah, I think it was Luchasaurus winds up clearing the place out. It mm-hmm. was, oh, man, I. I didn't know how I was going to feel about going into this match because I was like, oh, it's going to be that classic thing where it's going to get to like nine minutes and 55 seconds. And then Jungle Bull is going to tap at the last second. But when he didn't tap, and I'm like, see, that's different. And that's why I like you every now and then you see something different. Oh, because you know they part I forgot, had though? we forgot that Jericho comes back and demands five more minutes and for the match to be restarted before anyone comes up for a run and that leads into that whole brawl. And then after the commercial break, they basically said that that last five minutes didn't count. Yeah. yeah it wasn't official. Jungle Boy got a couple of near falls on during that last five, but he looked good the whole way through. Oh yeah. Dude looked like a million bucks. Like yeah. this, this match was really good because it was meant to show exactly how good Jungle Boy could be, yeah. which we really haven't gotten too many chances to see, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jericho during commercial break does wind up throwing a tantrum and everything and throwing everything around and pretty much crazy. Chris Stadlander, Space Girl, surprisingly goes over Britt Baker with the Big Bang Theory, Cradle Pile Driver, or similar (laughs) to almost almost similar to a Cradle Pile Driver. Um, And yeah, once again, look at that. She goes over Britt. You know, they're they're pushing her space ass. (laughs) You know. When I was watching the AEW Dark, I wasn't even thinking in my head in my wildest dreams that she would actually get a push on like the main thing. And she went over Britt Baker. Holy shit, right? Look at that. Do you think it's because of the spaceship? It could be. <laughs> like they were impressed because of the space gimmick? She sold it so well. They were like, fuck it. Let's do it. That is awesome, man. Too good. I'm proud of her. And I believe that makes her the new number one contender. Yeah. So yeah, Riho, you ready for this space, space asshole? Yeah, you're about to fight someone from space, Riho. They don't blame you for this shit. Yeah, this is the real deal. How many people from space have you fought? You went from a native beast to an alien, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Chris Statlander, uh, now that she has a full AEW contract, uh, she had to say goodbye to her previous Indie Federation. She was at a Creator Pro event, and... Uh, she basically said goodbye to everybody there. She actually, which I guess it's rare for her to do, but she she sort of drops the alien gimmick. Man, she's really committed to that. She was an alien there too. Oh shit! And she talks. Let's have a look at this. Look at that. It's not even running. Is it some sort of an alien encryption that we have to do, like in the latest Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a quick look. I'll try it again. Yeah, look at that one. There we go. Nope, nothing. Look at that. It's not meant for us to see her goodbye speech to all. Uh, I could pull it off of the website. Give me a minute. Sorry, guys. Doing everything. We got this. Yeah, we always have a backup. The aliens will not stop us. 
Alright, real quick, I'm not gonna do a fucking long speech here. Whoa, hey! I'm sorry, do you want me to do a long speech? Okay. No. I just want to say real quick, I just want to say real quick. I've known her for like five years, and from the first day that she came into this building, uh, I knew that there was something special with her. And I'm not trying to pretend like not everybody knew, because everybody who lays eyes on her knows that she is something special. Backstage, and she was being a little freak and like doing Bray Wyatt backwards headstands and shit. And I looked over, I looked over at her and I said, Yeah, I'm gonna die not knowing that girl's name. What the hell is she doing here? Turns out, turns out, I'm really happy that I learned her name because the first day that she got into this ring and trained with me, she busted her forehead open on the ring post and then just wiped it off with a paper towel and kept going. That's the kind of hard worker that she is. She has never, ever stopped trying to improve. She has never, ever stopped trying to get better in this ring, outside of this ring. And she's one of the best people I know in professional wrestling. any of my social media, you know that every day I am super proud of her and I text her weekly and tell her that because there is nobody, sorry Max, who has skyrocketed <laughs> like she has and there is no one with a better personality, sorry again Max, in the shortest amount of time and there is nobody like this because she wants it more than anybody I know.
She's getting a push. So. She gets to pin a doctor in the ring. Mm-hmm. Got to pin a doctor. So then, then we get to the main event. Jericho versus Jungle Boy wasn't the main event. It's just that he's a main eventer. Yeah. Main event. Tag titles on the line. SCU versus the Young Bucks. Yeah. With the Young Bucks, not winning the titles and taking them home for Christmas dinner, like they said. They said that there was going to be a Christmas dinner with these titles. And I'll have you know that it doesn't look like they'll be having the titles for Christmas. No. There will be no championship under the tree. It was a good match, and they emphasized that both guys, that all these guys in this team are friends. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting. The Bucks are... are they, they don't win very well. I keep saying like they're not featured as top guys here. Yeah. Hmm. Seems like more of the competition is caught up. Mm-hmm. Like and, uh, it's 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 a kinda of how I look at it, the way uh when Anderson Silva fell off, everything caught up to him and couldn't recover. So the Bucks are almost kinda of in that situation right now. Yeah, yeah, they sure are. Yeah, this but, is the most stacked tag team division probably in all of wrestling right now. Could be the same mentality as Kenny Omega, let a lot of this other talent shine. The same way that we didn't know much about Chris Statlander and through her silly little gimmick and stuff, it entertained us enough that now we essentially yeah. are supporting her. There's probably it, more people just like that in that company. It's good that way because, I mean, we know how good the Bucks can be. Let's see how good some of these other teams can be. So it, it benefits them because the Bucks have already established themselves. Yeah, it's going to be a slow, growing pains process for these guys. And I guess that's what we're starting to see the beginning of. Yeah. And uh, So then after uh, this match is over, the Dark Order wind up jumping SCU and the Bucks. And then eventually Kenny comes out to try to help. But he's outnumbered. Cody comes out. Dustin comes out. They all get outnumbered. Um, it was noted by commentary that Adam Page was nowhere to be found. And I guess the main reason for that was, uh, you know, they're still trying to further that heel gimmick or whatever the hell they have going on there with him. You know, the, the, there was one Dark Order guy. <laughs> oh, that guy. There was one Dark Order guy, man. You already know, <laughs> right? You already know. That guy. That fucking guy, man, <laughs> was garbage. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's punches, man. This is not. We don't. We don't. We simply do not allow this. Okay, listen. There, there are some lines that you don't cross. Okay, that's one of them. You cannot come out there with those shit punches i'm gonna run it on the screen we'll even share it on social media look at yo i'm gonna make sure this is big for you to see this fucking dude's punches now like look at these eva marie level punches let's run that again oh my god 
You're supposed to be in this big angle against the elite guys. And look at your fucking punches, dude. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> look at it. Look at it. You know what's nowhere to be found? Any contact. <laughs> that was not nowhere to be found. Did even Marie get under a mask and we not see it? Like, what happened? Dude, I don't know what's going on. But that guy ruined that segment. And that's like what they went off the air with, with that guy's shitty punches. So thank you very much. That's going to be something that is going to be made fun of probably for the rest of his life. He'll never escape that. He's the new, that's the new shock master. Let me put the, uh, I'm going to share this on social media. I know that if I forget, people will be pissed if they, because I know that's one thing that you'll be curious about is this one. There we go. Boom. Oh, I already did share that one. Good. And, uh, so Randy Orton tweeted about this <laughs> and he said he apparently is a seasoned vet and is used and is used to live TV and just assumed that the camera to his left was the one with the red dot thingy on for those horrendous fucking punches. Hashtag work on your punch, kid. Uh. Then Silas Young tweeted about this and he said hey ring of honor can we get live tv every week in 2020 i'm pretty sure i speak for the locker room when i say we won't have botches popping up every week on the internet hashtag real pros they do happen occasionally it may have happened to me a time or two but when you're a tv company they shouldn't be happening every week especially on things as simple as throwing punches on a downed competitor Dustin Rhodes tweeted and he said, it's almost 2020 and I'm embarrassed at what I just saw in the great business that I still protect to this day. Please learn how to punch or better yet, come to my class that I hold weekly and I will teach you or quit the business because you're the drizzling shits. Or you can come to the, wow, wow. Or you can come to the top company and who who's saying this one? And I can teach you the aspects of our biz like throwing a fucking fist or whatever. There's a bunch of them here. A bunch of different people hate that guy. He better keep that fucking Dark Order mask on forever. He better become like like uh, looking glasses and watchmen and never take that shit off now. Because as soon as we find out who you are, your life is over. <laughs> <laughs> Don't scream when you fall. Yeah, pretty much. So I was hearing that in the beginning of being the elite, that the SCU and the Young Bucks had some sort of an awkward... um. I don't know, some sort of an awkward Christmas dinner or something, which I guess it must be awkward if you lose a title and then you're having Christmas dinner with the guys you lost the title with. Right. <laughs> Let me see if I can uh, find it here. I wasn't planning on playing being the elite, but we have extra time and stuff. So why not? Right. See, that just shows me that every time I come on here, I should always have the being the elite episode ready. No matter exactly. what. We're getting good at this shit at this point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. It's still fast at it, though. Clicking right now. Yes, they are. Up on the shoulders. SCU later. One, two, three. That is it. That's a Christmas party. How about you? I've got about 15 of these fucking cookies, man. Want some more wine, Steve? Oh, yeah. Want more wine, little more? A little more of the red, brother. A little more of the red, Oh, yeah. What a great year, boys. What a great year. 
Those threads, man, you, oh. guys, you guys do a lot of throw Second party. annual SCU Bucks hey, party, I hey, love it. may not be a super good party, but it's a hell of a party. Hell of a spread, hell of a spread, guys. Oh, yeah, that's fucked up. He said it's one hell of a party. It may not be a super kick party. Really? After Wednesday, really? <laughs> you don't know? You're still upset about that? All right, all right, all right. Hump day blues, man. Listen, we all know what happened Wednesday. We beat you guys. It's a great night. You guys have beat us before. Yeah. You guys are down right now. You'll get back up. You're yeah. the young freaking bucks. Right. We're SCU, and we're we're all in this together. You know what I mean? Let's. Your victories are our victories, and our victories are your victories. You know? So. Let's let's snap out of this little mopey face and and all band together and celebrate this Christmas like a family. What do you say? Wait, hang on. You 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 brought it to my Christmas party. You gotta be kidding. In my home. You, Are you gotta be kidding me. I never Sky. go anywhere without it. Score this. Come on. Come on. I'm really proud of this. Oh, you didn't think we'd be mad. Guys, I'm sorry. Score. Jeez. We talked about. It. We said we're not gonna talk about. You guys. Oh, 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 you both of you brought it into my home oh my. to rub it into my face, oh, didn't Lord you? I put on my, I put on my shoe belt. I was going to wear different pants. Yeah, please, guys, yeah. help us in time of need. Yeah. You know what? Look at this. I, I hate to do it, but out. You got to get out. Let's go. Ow, it's time to go. Throwing the mom of the party for where we're going. Not according to Santa's watching this, all right? Santa's physic. Get out of here. Ow. Let's go. Seriously. Jeez. Go. Take your titles and leave. My special zaps here to the party just to rub it in. Jeez. Jeez. Fine. See you guys. <laughs> and Daniel sticks around. <laughs> hey, uh, Doctor. You What's too. Matter? You too. Let's go. Out. Let's go. What? I gotta leave too? I haven't even been on television for a month! You're the what coach of that match! But I... You're an SCU guy. Come on, I... Out. 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 Guys! Out. I don't wanna hear it. Man. You know what? Fine. Fine. I'll leave. You know why? Dana's cooking wasn't that good anyway! Oh my god, you bastard. That wasn't Dana's cooking? That was Cracker Barrel's catering! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, no. No, 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 no. This is not fucking happening right now. He did the bad Dark Order punches. Oh, God. He's still going. Look at the camera. He's looking at you, dark horse guy. <laughs> He's still going, Rick. He's still going. <laughs> oh my god, that was too good. <laughs> I 
was wondering how long he'd be able to keep that and just break, without breaking. Oh my god, uh, that was awesome. That was great. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Did dark oil punches into a beanbag? That whole thing was good. These guys are genuinely entertaining. <laughs> there is a link on social media. So overall, AEW very entertaining this week. I must. It was say. a good one. Yeah, that w- that's how you do it, guys. Very well put together. Aside from that one Dark Order guy that also Mark Henry said that they need to fire that guy. That was another person who said shit about him. So no one's happy about the Dark Order, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, NXT. Yeah. The other half of the Wednesday Night War. Kicking it off this week with a championship match right out of the gate. Adam Cole defending against Finn Balor. And the finish of this match, uh, Cole, I mean, um, Finn starts to go for the Bloody Sunday, but then Johnny Gargano returns. And for some reason, Finn's terrified. I don't know why they do the whole terrified thing. He takes an ass whipping. So I guess even though maybe unless he's psychic and he knew that ass whipping was going to be that bad because it was bad. It almost seems like one of those things where it's like you think after you spike somebody on their head onto the ramp, you're never going to see them again. And there he is standing over you. You know what it is? It's like when you and a bunch of friends get jumped and you run off on your friends. So he just takes the ass whoop and then you see him again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, somebody. <laughs> so you made out there, okay? <laughs> but yeah, after uh, Balor gets distracted, Cole low blows Balor and hits a last shot and retains his NXT championship. Which Cole's getting close to Balor's record. Like right before this past episode, he'd hit the 200 mark. And Balor was 292, I believe it was. So yeah, he's like another three months he breaks Balor's records if he can hold on to it long enough. Well, there's a man who deserves that record. Oh yeah, definitely. He's been absolutely incredible as NXT champion. You've damn near had to kill him to beat him in any kind of capacity. And I mean, the fact that he got to beat the previous record holder, that's like a feather in a cap in itself. So it's like if there was anybody else who was going to beat Balor's record, I think, yeah, he'd be the one to do it. Yeah. That match was really good, by the way. Like I said, we don't know. Balor and that John Woo dropkick that Morrow calls it. Mm -hmm. I love how the heel, how Bim becoming a heel, that thing hits like a thousand times harder now. Yeah, yeah. Very cool looking stuff on this. Oh, yeah, everything they did to each other. This match, this was a tailor-made match for an NXT championship. Absolutely incredible. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I mean, the Gargano thing, it doesn't make Balor look weak in the loss. And it kind of, even though it's probably going to be a while before they have a, another match, it's going to leave it, it, you almost kind of leave it open for them to do it again, because now it's going to be like, what happens when Johnny doesn't get involved? Uh-huh. Yeah. So then we had Damian Priest versus Killian Dane. Finish to this match. Damian Priest goes over with the reckoning. Yeah, what do you think of this match? Oh, it was fun. Uh, two big men who are pretty athletic beating the shit out of each other. I mean, I like the fact that they did go back to the fact that uh, Priest has been out with busted ribs ever since TakeOver. And that wanted to be in Dane's focus for a good portion of the match. And that's actually what cost him the match, wasn't it? Yeah, he he kept going to the ribs and going to the ribs. And Priest uh, eventually started to catch it. Uh-huh. So, yeah, Damien Priest uh, does go over. You know, yeah, he, he, he looked great in the match. Both of them did. Uh-huh. 
And then uh, we get Cameron Grimes against Kushida. Surprisingly, Cameron Grimes goes over with a surprise cave-in. Yeah, they're not pushing Kushida right now, or at least they he lost that. I mean, I think they're showing like they have they they have stuff planned for Cameron Grimes. It looks like, which yeah. I I mean I instantly I, I instantly assumed I was like, all right, here we go, hoverboard lock, it's coming, and then he slipped out of it and hit that cave, and I was just like, well, this is different. <laughs> A lot more people starting to get the shine down there now. And then after that, we get Io Shirai against Santana Garrett. Finish to this, uh, EO going over her the moonsault. But one of my favorite things, I don't know if you caught it during uh, EO's entrance near the very end. I guess some douchey fan screams out, Go back to China. <laughs> and if you look carefully, EO goes Japanese, bitch. And then, and then it was right before Santana Garrett's uh, entrance started. Wow, it was <laughs> awesome. I'm telling you, if, you, if somebody out there <laughs> could find that spot. She's uh because if you because when you look back to her entrance is when she was looking out to the crowd. Somebody said, uh, "Go back to China," and what she mouthed, she was just like Japanese bitch. It was amazing, and then she went right into that little stretch. It was fantastic. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, you 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 just made, you made yourself look stupid on so many levels because they clearly say where she's from in her fucking entrance. Like, God, I, I hate stupid people. I hate them so much. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> that was like my little rant sunshine, that whole fucking show. It was great. So we get uh Pete Dunn versus Travis Banks. Yeah, Travis Banks uh second time in NXT because they're basically promoting the World's Collide tournament, which yeah. uh well the World's Collide event was this time it's gonna be just NXT and NXT UK. Yeah, there was no tool five live announced as the third graphic they usually put the logos of everything there's no 205 mentioned for the world collide tournament this time around not only that 205 live has been canceled for the last two weeks of the year it didn't happen this week and it's not happening next week yeah they're slowly phasing that show out yeah i mean considering the fact that their championship is the nxt cruiserweight championship there's not really much of a point for it to be around so but uh the finish of this match is after an x-plex from i think it was about the middle rope Dunn uh, hits a bitter end and go- hits the bitter end and goes over. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, but, uh, he shows them a bit of respect because, like, he's from you know the whole UK connection that these guys have. And those who beat the shit out of each other in this match, like Travis Banks, came very close to getting that win on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we get the main event, which is uh, Shayna Baszler defending against Rhea Ripley. And the finish to this. The mosh pit kid gets another one because after a riptide from the Miller rope, Rhea Ripley becomes the first ever Australian NXT women's champion and the first woman to hold both the NXT and NXT UK women's titles. Yeah, and what a match it was. They definitely put their all into this. Oh, my God. Like a key thing standing out. Shayna went for that um, arm pop spot she went she usually goes for, but Rhea caught her foot. But then after uh, an exchange on the outside, when Rhea used the steps to try to pull herself back up, Shayna hits it from there. Yeah. I mean, and Rhea sold the shit out of that. Like, and it looked really good. It looked really good. And I, oh I couldn't. Uh, Rhea looked a little bit happier. Like she had a little bit more of a skip in her step when she came out, which to me kind of, I don't know if that was a giveaway or intentional because she knew she was going to win the title. Where Shane, I give credit to the horsewomen because I wouldn't have thought which you're not supposed to tell, so that shows they're good. I wouldn't have known that she was going to lose the title based on their behavior. 
Yeah. I almost also see it as the happiness of knowing, because this is the first time Rhea's had a championship match, I think, since she had that feud with Tony Storm, which has been, yeah, it's been a long time since though. So, I mean, it's so, it could almost be pulled off as just happy to be in this championship picture. But yeah, I think yeah. the best thing, and you'll probably agree with me, is uh, when Shayna had her in the choke. And Rio was almost out. And instead of doing the thing where like they shake their hands to the side, she grabbed the referee by his shirt and she gave him this look like motherfucker. I'm not dead yet. Yeah. That (laughs) was a cool moment. Yeah. The whole crowd lit up too. Like it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And she had a very cool celebration at the end where everyone comes out in the locker room. They get in the ring. They hold her in the air and everything. Yeah. The funny thing is, uh, I can't remember who it was specifically she spoke to, but Rhea actually revealed she was a little terrified up there. Yeah, she spoke about how she was scared of being up there. and uh, But then she looked out into the crowd and she saw one of the regulars that's there all the time and something about him is comforting. And like he said something like crowd surf and then she, I guess she took his advice and crowd surfed or whatever. Yeah, very fitting celebration for her, though. I mean, it's amazing performance. She definitely, if there was anybody who was going to beat Shayna, she was the one who was going to do it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And they released some Rhea Ripley afterwards, which I'm going to run on here now. Network for NXT. I went out there against Shayna Baszler, one of the most dominant women here in NXT, and I, I have no words. I have no words exactly to say, except for that I'm ecstatic and I'm the new NXT Women's Champion, making history again. Being overlooked by every other superstar here in this company, to not being booked on coconut shows or road loops or even TV to now becoming the NXT Women's Champion and defeating one of the best. It's a surreal feeling to be honest and like it's definitely not sunk in yet but it's a big accomplishment for me and to be honest I just stuck it up everyone and showed them that I am worth it and showed them that I can do this and I don't think anyone's ever going to doubt me ever again. People used to always compare me to Charlotte Flair, Tony Storm, pretty much any blonde because, you know, I had the long blonde hair. So going into the Mae Young Classic 2, I changed up my look. I was still the person that I knew I was, but I changed up my look so no one could compare me to anyone to go out there and do what I knew was right for me and just be the person that I know I am. It was a very strong feeling within myself of 
confidence and just knowing who you are as a person and it's definitely helped me because I don't have to go out there and I don't have to put on a persona. I go out there and I be myself. I am 110% myself, the real me. That's me out there. Every single second I'm out there, that is me. That is me with confidence. She's been really great about not wanting to be a copy of somebody else. She wants to be the first Rhea. She doesn't want to be the second Charlotte. Rhea wants to be the first Rhea Ripley, and she redefined herself, she found herself, and she has excelled at being herself. Oh my God, I'm so proud of her. You know, there's there's certain people that you see uh, just, just gain, gain a confidence and, and, and improve. Uh, tenfold over the last six months to a year and she's definitely one of them. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've ever seen anybody improve so quickly. I had people growing up that told me that I would never amount to anything in my life. I had people tell me that I will never be a professional wrestler. I will never make it to WWE. I just performed on the USA Network for NXT and I just became the NXT Women's Champion. If that's not living your dreams, I don't know what is. Her dream came true. Like, that's the best thing about this whole thing, right? She was 16, and she already knew what her dream was, and tonight it came true in front of all of us. So, what's better than that? God help the rest of that division because now they gotta deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss I know people were burnt up, but I'm gonna miss Shayna. Like I really like yeah. Shayna's run. Shayna could have won that match. I would have still never had a problem with it. Why? Because Shayna beats people up. Nobody had a problem with it with Oscar. Nobody gets to have a problem with it with Shayna because it's the same thing. The only difference is people somebody was actually able to beat Shayna for that championship before. Yeah. Like there's really no difference. If Oscar would have been champion still right now, nobody would have said a word. No, definitely okay. not. And I mean, the only reason it works is because stylistically, there was nobody in that division who could beat her. That's why Rhea had to come over, because Rhea's the only other person right now that's as smashed mountain as violent as Shayna. Shane, the, the, the thing, that uh, that moment where um, Shayna or, or, or Rhea grabbed the ref showed was that the one thing that Rhea had is that Shayna couldn't get her body to shut down. That's how Shayna's beating everybody. She doesn't have to break her will. She just breaks her body to the point where it refuses to respond anymore. She couldn't do that to Rhea. Right. In any exchange they've ever had, she's never been able to get Rhea's body to stop functioning. So it's just yeah. stylistically and in kayfabe sense, it makes sense for Rhea to be the one to finally get the nod. Interesting choice of the of the week that they chose to do this that too yeah yeah like a very interestingly timed week i mean definitely it seems like for AEW and nxt it was end the year with a bang yeah NXT it might, it might be because of the wednesday bang. night war that they were motivated to do some shit like this you know oh yeah but as far as ratings go according to show buzz daily nxt did seven hundred ninety-five thousand viewers AEW Dynamite did 683,000. Therefore, NXT has beaten them definitively. And this is the first time that NXT has beat them across the board in all demographics. Everywhere they got beat this week. Across the board. And uh, the only thing, according to the Wrestling Observer Radio, the only thing that stays undefeated is um Jericho. Jericho's segments always beat NXT. He's the only person whose segment has never been beaten by NXT. <laughs> Sad part is it's not surprising. 
just another thing for him to brag about. Right. <laughs> Boy, I should work that into a promo at some point. Oh, I'm sure he will. But yeah, you know his, segments, his segments never get beaten. So there you go. Yeah. Tides keep a turning. Mm-hmm. And uh what we got going on? Do we have time for injuries? We're running kind of late. We might have to skip injuries until uh you could save injuries for the last show of, the, of this year and or decade. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to do injuries tonight. It's already getting later than we had already expected. So with that being said, let's talk about, uh, let's go back to ratings because we're going to be talking about SmackDown. SmackDown viewership is up. They did 2.414 million viewers. Okay. So uh, last week they did 2.339. So... Luckily for them, SmackDown ratings are rising up. Yeah, some people not so fortunate though. Well, Raw last week we can't. It's too soon to determine this week, but the last week Raw, uh did two point fifty four million viewers, which was down from the two point one hundred fifty million viewer average. So that's not terrible though. You know, those ratings are going to fluctuate. These shows, none of these shows by any means are in danger. Aside from um, Backstage, which they did 95,000 viewers, which is the lowest rating since their debut, which was 49,000. Jesus. 127,000 was uh, last week because CM Punk was there. <laughs> so that's where the ratings stand. And with that, we can talk a little bit. We don't want to go into crazy mm-hmm. details, but we'll talk a little bit about... uh. Before we wrap up here, I guess yeah. what? Well, first of all, yeah, let's talk about SmackDown. Yeah, just real quick before you jump right into SmackDown, by your thing, um, just scrolling through Instagram, Matt and his kid did the Dark Order punches bit too. Really? Yes, his his kid tackle one of his kids tackles him into the beanbag chair, and he does the same more punches. <laughs> See what I mean? It's, it's going viral now, man. It was so funny. I had to point it out. I couldn't ignore it. Oh, Jesus See, Christ. That Dark Order gimmick's dead now, thanks to that. Oh, yeah. That, that, that thing's... Yeah, you might as well kill them off now. Oh. Okay. I'll just back out. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it opens with Danny Bryan giving a promo about how his daughter didn't even recognize her own father because he didn't have his beard anymore. And it's funny because my girlfriend called it last week. She said if he goes home, that kid's going to cry because <laughs> they're not, not going to know it's, it's the father. And I was like, really? That's a strange thing to think. And then I had no idea that the following week he was going to come out and open his promo talking about how his kid cried because he didn't have a beard anymore. Like, Holy <laughs> shit. The fuck? Wow. Amazing What's stuff. That part is it does make sense. Yeah, I guess so. Look at that. This is creative writing right here. Oh, uh, God. And then Ziggler and Corbin come on while Miz and Danny Bryan are in the ring talking about uh, Bray Wyatt and how sick he is. And basically the two of them are basically calling them failures as fathers, which causes the two of them to look at them like, are these bastards crazy? And uh, they wind up both getting their asses kicked, though, unfortunately, and being laid out. Uh, what else happened in this? I don't remember every single thing. I know Ma- Mandy Rose, the big part of this was Mandy Rose getting Otis a ham to replace last week's ham, right? Yeah, and then he got a, a Christmas kiss. And, you know. Yeah, Christmas kiss on the cheek. And then um, he got chubby. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. He, I mean, <laughs> come on. He's a good wrestler. Don't make fun of his weight. 
No, no, he's he's great. He's <laughs> every time every machine comes out, he gets excited because he makes me laugh. But he's fantastic. Yeah, then they had uh, that revival in Heavy Machinery. Ironically, we talked about it before, but the the thirty the Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street fight. Uh huh. Yeah, it's Heavy Machinery. Not surprisingly, goes over. But this was funny. This, this made me laugh. What was it? Dawson took the bump on the what was it? Legos. Uh huh. That was a bad yeah. bump too because Orton oh. commented on social media that uh Legos are a lot worse. Yeah, there's there's zero give. Like you're stepped on a Lego. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, right. Pretty much. I cringe when I saw that shit. Mm hmm. I cringe too, man. That's a pretty rough thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Then we had uh, Car- Carmella, Sonya Deville, and then uh, Carmella with uh, that code of silence, which I haven't seen yeah. her do in a long time. What is like a Koji clutch? It's a weird, like, leg submission almost. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's like a, it's, like a no arm triangle yeah. choke. It's the weirdest looking well, submission she, I've ever well, seen. Well, first she hits but... the liner and then rolls into that. Yeah, she always has really good transitions into that move. Yeah. It's kind of funny how the former MMA fire sort of got tapped out with that move. Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, so she, <laughs> it's funny Carmella's winning matches legit now as a baby face. Such a different world, you know? Right. We used to use her, we, we used to use her as like the chicken shit heel. Now it's like, oh, well, there yeah. we go. Carmella Carmella winning out here. Mm-hmm. And then this happened backstage. Dude, where were you? I needed you I, out there. I, I know. I got hugged and I needed to shower. It was really gross. I had like stuff all over How me. How is that my so... problem? You let him on, Mandy. No, not Otis. An actual ham. I had ham all over me. You had ham all over. I gotta go. I'm this sorry. Is... I'm. You mean like an actual ham? You had ham on you? Yeah, like ham. Let's, like deli meat ham. I can't. Let's go. Is that what you call it, Mandy? She got, she got ham all over her face. <laughs> oh, God. You know, nothing beats having a good ham, right? A good hamming. There you go. <laughs> you know, that's basically what this was. You know, and the heavy machinery was also backstage. God, God only knows what the hell this is. It's literally oh, cool. no. Heavy machinery, ham, ham it up. Tucker Otis, you two gave and received quite the beating in that Miracle on 34th Street fight from the Candy King kendo sticks to the Legos to that very ham being used. How are you feeling about that victory tonight? Oh, Kathy, we feel fantastic. You know, we told you before we went out there that we were going to spread holiday cheer and we were going to get the victory. And I feel like that's exactly what heavy machinery came here to Brooklyn. And that's exactly what we did. You know what I'm saying? The big doze. Oh, yes. <laughs> I want to thank uh, Mandy Rose for giving me such an incredible gift here. This nice and juicy ham. She's very pretty. And uh, I think this definitely made my spirits up going against the revival, even though the revival are dirty and they can get gritty. Yeah. But we came out on top. Yeah, with all, what, what were they thinking knocking over your ham that Mandy Rose Mandy Rose gave this ham to him as a gift and these guys had the audacity the to throw what did the ham the ham did nothing it's did two weeks in a row of ham abuse you know what I'm saying and we don't like ham abuse no, is it good is it tasty 
Mandy didn't Jesus. just give you that ham. She also <laughs> gave you a kiss on the cheek and a hug after tonight's victory. Yes. You got to be feeling pretty good. I feel very, very warm inside. Yes, I do. And I just, you know, I, it was very, it was very uh, unexpected, but really just very incredible moment for myself. Right. Everything you've ever really wanted. You know what oh, I mean? yes. Yeah. She's amazing. And yes. Yes! Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Take a little uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, we, we just wrestled. He gets a little bit too excited. We got to just make sure not to get him too jacked up, right? We want to make sure he, deep breath, deep breath. Hey, I got an idea. What do you say we go find somewhere? Maybe we get us some carbs to go with this ham and, uh, we have ourselves a little victory meal. What do you think? Of course, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna bring the ham. We're just gonna get some carbs to go with it. Okay, we're gonna find a present for Mandy as well after we do that. Alright, we'll do that too. You know, I have to give her something back besides a nice. But we can't have with with not full stomachs, right? Exactly. Yeah, we can't be hungry while we shop for gifts. Alright, one, two, break. Remember, when you shop for Christmas presents, don't do it on the next stop. That's okay. why it makes me laugh. That's why it makes me laugh because he reminds me of Chris Farley. He, <laughs> he is a bit like Chris Farley, right? Oh my god! Yeah, that that was that half of SmackDown was about ham. Yeah. Oh Jesus! There's something you don't normally get to say, right? <laughs> that was ham down. That was- it was very ham-handed. <laughs> it was Friday night ham down. <laughs> And then he oh. went on to go on social media and put, this is the greatest night of my life. Oh, yeah, my beautiful peach. Mandy rolls with her juicy, warm ham and a smooth and a smooch. My big brother, Tucky, and me, victorious against the Southern boys, turned 28 years old today. Merry Christmas, brothers and babes. God, he's only 28. And Jesus. then and then afterwards, again, I'm skipping jobber matches. None of that matters. But I believe the next thing that was notable as Elias, he winds up singing about the revival and he says that they that they want a big match and they want to be front and center but they got to make a big change like caitlin jenner <laughs> wow i was like what it's funny because <laughs> last week he told bailey that her haircut makes her look like a dude and this week he makes a caitlin jenner joke <laughs> i like this elias way better He's a lot of fun. But anyway, Bailey goes over Dana uh, in this match. Dana looks good in the match. So very athletic, very good back and forth. But when uh, her and Sasha are going to pick the bones, Lacey Evans runs in and this becomes a tag match because that's how we do in SmackDown. We don't need Teddy Play anymore. <laughs> Dana and Lacey against Sasha and Bailey, which was interesting role reversal to see how things have come full circle. We now have heels, the heel, where the heels are all baby faces, literally, because, uh, who would have ever thought you'd see the day where Dana and Lacey would be the ones that are standing up for the SmackDown universe and going up against Sasha and Bailey, who are doing everything, uh, underhanded as they can to go past with this, even that's going as far as messing with Lacey Evans's daughter. Yeah. She, she got right in, uh, Lacey's daughter's face. Sasha did. Yeah. Which, uh, by the way, I don't know if you realize it, but Lacey Evans and her daughter, they do commercials and stuff together. That I did not know. Yeah, yeah. She put up some photos, I guess, of the commercial shoot. Yeah, a very, very busy family, huh? Yeah. You know. Kids staying active. There you go. Staying off social media. Do what you would like. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there was a, I guess that's an image of them on the screen doing the commercial. Yeah, looks to be. That's pretty cool. 
see if I get some real footage of the commercial at some point. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, what else happens after that? Yeah, pretty much rolling right into the main event. Uh, Brian and Miz versus Corbin and Ziggler. Yeah, with Miz tapping out Ziggler with the figure four. And then it ends with the Bray. You hear Bray Wyatt's sound effect. The lights cut out. You hear his laughter. And they're looking around like, what's that? And that's the way the show goes off the air. Danny yeah. Bryan and Miz did make a good team together. I'm going to enjoy it if they keep them together. I did like the stereo uh, yes kicks. Yeah, I feel like that was, I feel like I saw that spot coming. I was like, these guys have both been doing this move. For, Miz has started doing this move for the longest time. Daniel's always basically done this move. So I was like, this spot's bound to happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, it's time for Raw. Yay. Which don't ask me what made them decide to do this, but they open with a Mojo Riley versus Kevin Owens match. Don't know why we'd want this. Um, You know, notable stuff with Owens taking that nasty back bump through the four chair setup table style. Um, But I did like the beating that Owens wound up giving Mojo, though. Like, you know, even to the stunner, pop a power bomb right through a table. I like the finish. I think that's one of the better pins i've seen in a long time when you look at it that's how you that's how you if you're going to job somebody out that's how you do it because think about the fact that he hits him with the stunner hits him with a pop-up power bump through a table and then he pressed his knee down on his throat and that's how the ref counted three that's some that's very kevin owens-esque i want that pin in the games like the fact that he popped a power and then he put his knee that's not even a cover his shoulders are down technically because you have a fucking knee pressed on his throat (laughs) you know (laughs) At that point, I'm like, damn the shoulders. Count this man out. That's a way to show if you think somebody's just fucking insignificant. Wouldn't surprise me if that was if you see Mojo released tomorrow. <laughs> well, I mean, who else, who else gonna take these kind of ass weapons? Yeah, yeah. And it was so funny. It's been so long since I've seen him when the music hit. I didn't know who was coming out. Yeah, yeah. Very, very weird. But you also have Akira Tozawa with this weird storyline with our truth where Tozawa pins truth for the 24-7 title by Rockefeller Center when truth is out there looking to light the tree and he thinks it's the Rocky Johnson tree and all sort of weird shit. I don't know. But uh, later <laughs> on, just to make things more stupid, Santa winds up winning it from him and then Tozawa and him. There's a whole Scooby-Doo thing where Tozawa's hiding behind Christmas trees. Eventually the ref loses his shit and he doesn't want to be a part of anything and he, he leaves, he quits on everybody and by this time our truth has won the title back from Santa and then there was him and Tozawa decided they were going to find out find this big apple since they're in New York and they want to see what it is. It was, it was all complete cartoon slapstick bullshit. Uh, what else happened? We had Lashley against Cedric, which was garbage. How stupid is it that Lana interrupts this match while Lashley is outside of the ring and the ref neither gets her out of the ring nor counts Lashley for being on the outside. Everyone just stops so that she can talk about and announce the fact that next week her and Lashley are getting married. It pisses me off the disregard for the rules and the referee there where it's like, Lana, you're in the ring in the middle of the match. Why the fuck would the ref stand there like that instead of trying to get you out? And why is Lashley able to stand out? There's no counting. There's no nothing going on. No one cares. This is garbage. How dare you? Like, it's stupid. Uh, Chelsea against Charlotte was a good match for uh, for what it was. You know what I mean? I thought this was a really solid match. Um, yeah. Chelsea looks really good in the ring. I hope we do get to see more of her. Uh, of course, oh, yeah, she, she looked great. Of course, Charlotte goes over in this, but that's, I guess that's the new thing lately. Charlotte's been, uh, wrestling up and coming town. She's kind of doing the John Cena open U.S. title run, but with no title. 
Uh, Randy Orton and the Viking Raiders go up against the OC with Randy. Um, unfortunately, the whole story of this is Randy, Randy having problems with his knees and even to the point where commentary is talking about how if the Viking Raiders are, are invested in this match, they would leave Orton on the corner knowing that he's vulnerable. And it does come down to that because his knee buckles after coming up from hitting Anderson with an RKO. And, uh, that winds up being his undoing, you know, because basically AJ Styles uses that opportunity to springboard and take him out with a phenomenal forearm. Uh, what else happens that's relevant in this Raw? Uh, oh, right. One of the most important things that I almost forgot. It's revealed that Eric Rowan's pet is actually an Elmo toy, and now he's going to start wearing it on top of his head like Golga used to do with the Cartman stuffed toy. <laughs> No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I can't believe that everyone wore that. <laughs> it is in my notes, though. It is legit in my notes, though. That's how much effort I put in it. I was bored. It was a boring role, so I wrote, I made up notes. That's when you know it's boring. I could just send you the screenshot. I could send you the screenshot. I legit was so bored at this role. And that's why I'm multitasking, that I, that I just made up my own notes. Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> Oh boy. And then, but they actually give you something worse than my idea because he's wrestling, Rowan's wrestling some jobber who offers him a candy can. Like, what are we, three years old here? You're a professional wrestler and you come here to fight a guy like Rowan and you come with a fucking candy can. I hate it. I hate it, this whole thing. Boop. <laughs> like, at this point, I don't care what's under there. Just kill the gimmick. Just end it. All of end it. it all. Just let it die. Yeah. Rusev squashes No Way Jose. Basically, him talking about how he's about Lana was actually longer than the match. You know, he went up doing what they're calling a spinner Rusev, and uh, he went up dancing away with the with the Congo line. And uh, I don't even know what the hell any of this means. I mean, hey, I got to see funny Rusev again. So yeah, and the main event was uh what Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins, which the finish was the authors of botch fuck it up. Yeah, everything gets thrown out and falls into turmoil, as you would expect. And Ray gets his ass kicked. I don't know what this new era we're in with. Every storyline ends with Ray getting his ass kicked. No matter who's in the storyline, <laughs> whether it's Brock Lesnar or AJ Styles or John Cena, there's this thing about the story always ending with Ray getting his ass kicked. It's like Charlie Brown in the football. I don't know why this is the way that things are going. But for some reason, Ray just gets his ass kicked at the end of this. Fucking Monday Night Ray got his ass kicked. Monday Night Ray got his ass kicked. Was that the end? I don't even remember. I was half falling asleep by uh, that point. Pretty much at the very end, AOP looked like his powerbomb Ray through the announcer table. Right. And Joe decides he is not fucking moving. Oh, correct. That is the one cool thing of the entire night. Thankfully, Joe is not going to become the next task because he was talking earlier in the night about, about how someone needs to deal with these guys. And it was, yeah. sort of was foreshadowing. He's been popping hints. Yeah. Like he's he playing on something. And he was like, if I get up from here, it's not going to be to leave. And he was like, I sit here and I announce. And then uh he winds up getting up and he fights them. Unfortunately, he does get overtaken, but that doesn't mean that's their asses next week because he's going to be coming out there with no suit. Going to be ready to right. roll. You know, Joe's going to kill you. Boots laced up, hands taped up. Fucking. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. We'll be able to box your way out of this one there. They come and raise our. going to be teaming up with, uh, with Owens, I guess, right? I would do. It makes sense. They're going to have all kinds of cool team-ups and things going on, you see? Stuff to be excited about going into the new year. They're setting themselves up yeah. lovely. All right. Do we have uh, anything else that we need to talk about here? Well, that was pretty much it. I hope Lana shit to dress at that wedding. But I mean, I... Okay. Now, listen. Uh, Wednesday, 
we normally have the chat room up for AEW. There will be no AEW because of Christmas, but for anyone that's interested, the chat room will still be accessible for NXT unless announced otherwise. We'll have the live NXT and there still will be a Christmas edition of the Party Game Zone opening at 10 p.m. immediately following NXT. So just wanted to put you guys on reminder about that. Gonna be fun. We good here now, right? Oh, yeah. It's straight. Yeah. All right, so that being said, guys, once again, thank you. And we'll be seeing you throughout this entire week with extra content. Uh, we don't have anything specifically set up, aside from the party game zone again, this upcoming Christmas edition for Wednesday. But uh, Sunday, we will be doing some extra content and throughout the week. Don't forget to check and see what other things are happening. Uh, Cooler Ice, Joe Wall, Stasis Dreams. E-Mang, a.k.a. E-B Gamer, Willie V2, Six Larry, a.k.a. C, Mark710, Saku Hasa, a.k.a. Rosaline the Vampire Queen, Michael Jackson Fan224, FG450, Stallion of Style, Harden Call, OG Jake MP831, The Brawler00, and of course all of you who are listening on demand across iTunes, Stitcher Radio, tune in and all of those wonderful platforms ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to talk bunch live episode 358 your christmas 2019 edition may you all have a very merry christmas and enjoy the holidays with your loved ones on that note we are out of here i'm going to join me some ham oh yeah shut that down